Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Like the official podcast of Grapple, I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And how are we, lads? All right, probably a bit more alert than what you've been after <laughs> the last last few days. Yeah, it's been a tough two weekends, JP. I'm uh, I get yeah. too old for two week two weekenders on the row. I've just, uh, as you know, I just woke up from like a four hour nap where I was dead to the world. Uh, I'm trying to come back into into life though. Uh, but yeah, 35 is too old for this nonsense. You're almost teasing the cor- coronavirus stuff by just <laughs> flying into Central Europe with a zero fucks given attitude. It's, it's it's quite wild, mate. It's a it's like some sort of like extreme sport you've taken <laughs> at this point. I do get worried because I've had like a bit of a sore throat, but I think it's just from talking too much. I don't mm. think it's any more serious than that. Uh, I did consider while I was in Germany just stocking up on loads of toilet paper, uh, but I thought against it. Like, what the fuck's going on in this country? I was just sat there like, what on oh. earth is going on in England? Like, Germany doesn't have, I don't think they have any more cases than England, so there's not a huge amount to be worried about. Uh, passing through airports probably isn't the wisest thing to do right now, but other than that, yeah, it seemed a whole lot more saner out there than it uh, does back here. Yeah, it's it, we're pretty much almost going sort of full bore at this point over it. I have to admit, I was ill, so I was off work for a couple of days, mm. and there was a point come Friday where you hear all this stuff because that's all like people, the news is talking about and the rest of it. And that's all I ended up seeing. And you're like, oh, my God. And it almost becomes like psychosomatic at that stage. And you like convince yourself. So it's I, I didn't think I actually had it at that point. But you just start to become very deeply paranoid about it. Mm. My ignorance last week was well and truly ignorance, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was, hopefully it's nobody thing, took that advice to heart, Joe. hopefully nobody took your advice literally yeah i really hope not but i still i'll still say it uh, like illness based news is the worst most boring news at least the americans are making a bit more spicy i was watching some uh, tucker carlson last week and he was like trying to deny that it was a thing i was like all right i hate american news but yeah there's some entertainment value here i'll give you that and that is probably why fox news is the highest rated uh news station in america he's reversed it he oh, was on about he? it last night, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, there's a political thing with it about Trump not being wanting to look bad, yeah, basically. Is Trump yeah. Whereas still... this would normally be fuel for right-wingers, wouldn't it? Because it kind of could easily play into xenophobia. Oh, yeah. It can fear-mongering. Yeah, Close and like fear of the other, the wall. He said the wall would be there, so he seems to <laughs> fundamentally not understand how virus Well, I'm no scientist, but I don't think viruses sort of stop at borders, do they, to get their passports stamped for fuck's sakes? It's yeah. So, so is Trump not denying that it's a thing anymore? He's still trying to downplay that it's not right. very big because he wants the market. He cares about the stock market because if the stock market is down and they enter into a recession in yeah. an election year, 
the chances I'd lose. It's the one issue he fights on. That and all the other horrible shit, obviously. But that's the one issue that it's, he's got statistics to kind of back up stuff. That's the uh, that's the thing that holds it. It's difficult to get rid of American presence like like through this. I feel we should get Will Cooling on here for this one as well. <laughs> while I'm on about it, I was it. listening before this to his uh, cracking podcast with David Starr on uh, American politics, which I'd highly recommend. Mm. Really good stuff. Oh yeah, felt like I learned a thing or two while listening to that on the way over. It. This this is very much going to be a Will Cooling loving special. <laughs> I, I, I feel this what way. He was great on BWE last week as well. Oh. Great show from you, yeah. you guys and Martin. Will was some some spectacular points on there. It was loving the Craven Cottage stuff. The Bulldog discussion was great. The Ryan Smile stuff. Some great content on there last week. <laughs> Cracking episode that. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, the National Express Will Cooling. Yeah, as the, as we were recording that, the the news broke that his flight had been cancelled to Germany, and he literally. Literally travelled 24 hours across Europe to make it to WXW last weekend, and then another 24 hours back. All, all, and I think he literally found out about about half ten on Wednesday night, and Thursday, about Thursday morning, three in the morning, he was already on a coach down to London to get a coach to oh, Amsterdam yeah. to get a coach to Germany. Like <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson of, of wrestling journalism, or the Lester it? Bangs, you yes. know, the Rolling Stone journalist. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The best thing is, like, I left it. Like, he did the same thing going back. I left him. You know, we'd all had a drink. We'll have, we'll have a couple of rums, and then he knocked out that incredible David Starr uh, article yeah. on Peter. Oh, Victor, great which, piece of writing that as well. That I'm pretty yeah. sure he wrote in a dive bar in Amsterdam, or at least on the way to Amsterdam on a horrible 25 hour bus journey. Like, what a man. Yeah, I think mine and JP's comparisons to Lester Bangs and Hunter S. Thompson are kind of proven with that point there, if anything. Aren't they? <laughs> they really are. Proper wild man of uh, oh. Brit rest journalism is Will, isn't he? Oh, you he should have really saw him is. wandering around the turban and Halla with his, with his braces on, with his mug f- filled with rum and cokes, just wandering around surveying stuff. He was the uh, he was the other king of the Brit rest journalists out there in Germany this weekend. Fucking bossing it, <laughs> he really is. Cigar in his mouth, you know the whole whole thing. Cigar, um, like proper sto- like Tony Soprano style stogies. I'm told he was sat outside the McDonald's in Oberhausen by a trusted source with a with a rum and coke in one hand and a cigar in his mouth, just surveying the people walking past. That's our Will Cooling. It sounds like something out of a French New Wave film with like a. <laughs> With like a kind of weird, almost like ironic twist in a way, possibly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's well. I'd I like could see him being at the centre of a kind of like art house documentary. Almost. I, He's like taking it to a performance art level. I'll tell you what, I'm going to miss that. I am. You know, I'm not too going to miss Cara, but that alone sounds awesome. Oh, it's, all, it's always a great three or four days hanging around with Will. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's an inspiration to us all. I, he was asking he all is. hard questions at the media panel as well, right in there with having a go. But okay, so why is David Starr leaving, lads? What what's the story to this? Yeah, uh, he was very good at that as well. Uh, Alan Cheapshot got a couple of uh, good uh, good questions in there too for his part. Uh, yeah, the proper hard nosed. I think actually saying that when we when we did get there though initially, the first question will ask Patrick, the uh, long suffering um, media guy, WXWs, unfortunately leaving after this weekend and will be missed. Uh, he, he went. Straight he went straight to Patrick and was like, so why doesn't the Turban Haller serve German run? And Patrick was just like, I don't know, mate. I don't know. <laughs> Important question, though. You've got to ask that first. The Germans into their rum. I just always thought beer. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be. It doesn't yeah. seem to be. Yeah, lots of, lots of, the beer's not quite cheap in the Turban Haller, but yeah, you don't really. I think the rums in that are a lot more expensive. And the according to Will, I think the, it's a lot of like imported stuff, not like any proper German stuff, hence the question. Uh, right. Okay. 
Oh, I was going to say as well, I'd like to say that uh, that, that sight of Will uh, allegedly outside the McDonald's was the best thing that was seen in McDonald's that weekend. But I did have, I went there for some breakfast one morning, got there right after the Ogdens had finished their uh, their podcast with uh, with Alan Cheapshot, sat there listening to their podcast in that very same McDonald's and sat opposite me with Daisuke Ikeda, just sat there having a strawberry milkshake and a nice little espresso <laughs> coffee. I was sat there with my rib. At the same time? Oh, no, this was after the podcast, after they left. It was just me. No, he was having an espresso and a milkshake at the same time. Yep. Fucking hell, that's work, <laughs> eh? Hey. Yeah. I was told by the Ogdens that they'd seen him working, you know, the, the self-service machine at McDonald's and looking like he was getting really confused and none of them wanted to go up there and give him a hand. They just thought, you know what? He's a legend. He'll work it out for himself. I wonder whether that was his intended order or whether it just that's just kind of what he ended yeah. up with. Well, yeah, or, he'll head, or he'll headbutt the screen safe in the knowledge that he's tried <laughs> He's tried his best. He did have a plaster on his forehead, JP. But yeah, he, he was sat there with his milkshake. I was sat there with my McRib. Like, just two lads having a nice breakfast. And when he got up to leave, I gave him a nod, and he gave me a manly nod back. And I was like, yep, this trip was worth doing. I think he made a mistake, though, by having them separately. I'd have poured the espresso into the strawberry milkshake and had some sort of, like, strawberry Ooh. milkshake latte. That's a good shot. Yeah. That, that could have worked. Yeah, get a stirrer, you know, stir it right in. They're very accommodating, those German McDonald's. <laughs> I thought they would have yeah. helped out. Fucking slow, but they're accommodating, yeah. They're working. Yeah. Out. Jesus. L- let me guess, they didn't prepare again this year. The screen was broke still, JP. Oh, it's been like a year. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're announcing. Oh. I speak a little bit of German, so they're announcing your numbers in German. But most of the English and Irish just stood there confused until they until they realised they'd been waiting forty five minutes for the food. I actually managed to only go twice the entire weekend. I'm pretty proud of myself for that. I avoided Centro entirely. Didn't go to Centro once. It was all because, really well. I booked it at my Airbnb. I booked, which was the best Airbnb ever. You've booked some cracking Airbnbs when we've been out there, JP. Aside yeah. from the one where you lost your bag, but we'll leave that one. Yeah. <laughs> but this one I booked was like twenty minutes out of the centre on the bus, so an easy journey. It was like in a nice little quiet residential area. It was next door to an Aldi, and also a bit further down the road was a Netto. I had a great little kitchen in my room. They'd left me loads of towels and sweets and drinks and toiletries. I was well looked after. I stocked my fridge with loads of Bip Burger and my, one of my favourite, the Mezzo Mix Netto version, uh, cola yeah. mixed with with uh, with basically Fanta but uh, orange orange fizzy juice. I got a, got a few pretzels in, got some hummus in. My fridge was stocked, mate. I barely spent anything all weekend, and it was purely because of that. That would be my that would be my pro tip for going back after spending hundreds of pounds in the McDonald's and Burger King and that bloody kebab van. If anybody ever goes, try and set yourself up somewhere like that where you can go out, be a bit civilized, stock your fridge, and be a grown up. It was one of the best trips I've ever done there. Just from an Airbnb point of view, at least. Sounds absolutely wild. Like, only getting to that McDonald's twice, you got to work hard to avoid that McDonald's. Oh, mate, or, honestly. Or the Burger King. I mm. tried last... I think I only went twice last year. Mm. Yeah, I, I made a concerted effort to try and eat a bit healthier last Try and actually mm. eat some vegetables yeah, at this point. Yeah, Did you manage to yeah. eat any vegetables over the, over the weekend, Benno? Does hummus count? No. No. <laughs> Shit, then. Shit, That's not, yeah. That's not going to count chips because it comes from a potato. <laughs> Does that not count either? Oh, no. No, I did. I did. I did all right. I, I didn't, I, I wouldn't say it was the healthiest weekend, but it wasn't the most unhealthy weekend, at least. No, you did well. Like, being near a, a, an Aldi, that's, mm. that's definitely got thinking if, like, we're over there, over there again, then. Oh, Definitely yeah. Definitely get, get near somewhere like that. Joe will like this because one morning I did, in fact, I get me vegetables in because I got a nice little salad bowl they had there that was really good. Couldn't oh, tell you what was in it, 
where it's like a nice prepack. It looks like Aldi and Netto are supplied by the same people because they had the same kind of salads and prepared sandwiches there. But they were nice to have just on like the the bus journey to uh, into Oberhausen into the Turbenhalle. It was a uh, salad for breakfast is controversial though. <laughs> uh, I didn't think it would be for you though. I thought you'd be okay with it. Uh, lunch, lunch or dinner. On these trips, I don't get out of bed until half eleven, and I'm used to just wandering into the Turbenhalle at about half twelve after missing the first oh, match pretty it's much like every a time. Of sorts, then. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah, to be honest, I don't have breakfast normally. Okay. Are you your breakfast kind of guy. When I go, to, I tend to not eat until I'm in work until about twelve or one. Some like sometimes two. That's kind yeah, of I'm not. A, I'm thing. not like a breakfast eye. Um, like my girlfriend's family are fucking mad on breakfast. I, I think they were confused when we first got together about my kind of ambivalence to breakfast and just like, wow, whatever, take it or leave it. But I try to have like a, you know, a little breakfast, maybe a couple of crumpets, slice of mm. toast, bowl of cereal, not all of those, one <laughs> of that selection. Um, if I'm lucky, a pastry. I had a couple of um, Aldi Pano Chocolats this morning. They do like these packs that are quite cheap. Put two in the uh, microwave, 15 seconds, get the chocolate nice and like... I've got some up there. You oh, have, yeah. mate, an inspired choice. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I often doubt your taste, but, you know, <laughs> can't doubt it today. Well... <laughs> Chicken casserole for dinner, mate, not for me. It was, it was beef casserole. <laughs> oh, fuck that, even worse. <laughs> um, I reckon JP yeah. makes a good casserole. I can believe it. It was all right, lads liked it. can't stand casserole. On a bed of some nice creamy mashed potato with some broccoli on the side. Oh, the mashed potato and the broccoli sounds all right. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was all right. You've been cooking a lot of broccoli recently, haven't you? I really have. I found myself in excess of broccoli. Don't ask how the situation developed, but basically I'd bought some, hadn't seen it was hidden by some other veg, and I ended up getting some more. I reckon it's that membership to the Extinction Rebellion has uh, got you wild on the broccoli recently, hasn't <laughs> it? I haven't joined Extinction Rebellion. Not like <laughs> not likely to anytime soon. No. On the subject of breakfast, I like to leave here in the morning, like have a um, have a banana. And I've got some like little tubs of porridge that I'll have when I get into work. So I'll sit down and eat them. Yeah, seen you do that before. Yeah, well, you're not in work at that time. Are, <laughs> yeah, are, they? are these like prepackaged porridges, or are they overnight? Yeah, yeah, just making? little like kind of like just cheap, you know, sort of fifty p things from Aldi. Is that just fill up with a bit of water. For my entrance is it? Because I've it never is. seen you do that. Yeah, I have. Yeah, sweet cinnamon or original. It sounds quite nice. Yeah, it's it's all it's perfectly functional for that time of the day. I don't go to Aldi enough in the UK. Like I say, I was li- basically living oh. in there in Netto in Germany, mainly because I could get cans of Bitburger for 25p, but I don't tend yeah. to go at home. Mate, I was there an hour ago on my <laughs> way around. Uh, had a Will Cool and David Starr on the headphones when I went in as well. Had it on Ooh. the car as well. Great way to uh, accommodate my trip around Aldi. <laughs> Amazing. Good, good little shop, milk, tomatoes, peppers. Yeah. Well clued up on Bernie Sanders and how Super Tuesday <laughs> went now at this point. Absolutely. You know, I was... Bit clued up on that bit, but some of the other stuff talking about Biden, I was like, oh, I didn't, yeah, yeah. didn't know some of this stuff. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. Well worth a listen. Uh, that's it. Definitely the Will Cooling. Maybe the title's gonna have to be Will Cooling today. It's the Will Cooling podcast. You're bloody loving for him, isn't it? He's a ego for the roof Mate, after this. I, w- I would leave him at the bus stop at night. Oh, that was another thing. One of the nights we were, uh, I got the same uh, bus home as him. 
And I, after learning my lesson a couple of years ago, I'm very careful about making sure I get a ticket for uh, for my journey on these buses. I said to Wales, I go, are you getting a ticket? And he went, ah, oh, no, it's late. There'll be no conductors. Got on the bus. What happened? Two of the plain clothes police came over and Will Cooling pulled the best I'm a confused Brit face I've ever seen abroad. He was like, oh, oh, do I pay now? Oh, sorry. In England, we pay when we're on the bus. And the conductor was just looking like, I'm like so in England, you pay once you're on the bus. He's like, yeah, yeah, that that's just how it works. And I'm sorry, I'm just English. Do you take card? And he's trying to kind of like ruffle through his wallet. And then we got to we, the guy was like, when are you getting off? And Will was like, well, actually, this is my stop now. And the guy was just like, he's just like, well, you need to give me some ID with your details on so we can send you a letter. And Will was like, yeah, right, but my stop's coming now, so c- c- can we do it now? And the guy was just like, you know what, just get off. And he let him get off. And I've never seen anybody pull that con off as well as our Will feeling. But, yeah, exactly. Bloke's a maverick. <laughs> Honestly, Absolute God. maverick, isn't he? The yeah. bus conductor whisperer Will Cooling, that's his other nickname. Fuck me. I got we got screwed on that, didn't we, JP? I had no chance fighting my uh no, case exactly. the first time we went out there, but smooth talking, Will Cooling gets I pay for my ticket, JP. I paid three euros for my ticket. Will Cooling doesn't even bother and gets away with it. Impressive. Zero fucks given. He just re- <laughs> just just plays by his own rules. When I was skinned in hand. God bless. Will. 2013 and mm. I had some Japanese lads staying in my hostel room and I was like ah oh, New Japan and <laughs> like listing off like and they were like yeah and they they were wrestling fans like, oh, list, oh. I, I, we couldn't really interact and I was just saying like names like Kenna Kabashi and they were like you know like they were amazed that I knew like anything about Japanese wrestling like, amazing right but when I was there I was absolutely skint or well, I didn't have a lot of money so me and my mate were just jumping on and off their subway and just not paying for like a whole week. Mm. Quite poor at that point in time. Don't know why I'd gone for a, a <laughs> three-week trip to Europe. Well, I would do this on the cheap. 11 euros the hostel a night in Hamburg. That was good. So we'd be just jumping on and off. But every time we see a ticket inspector, we'd absolutely shit it. And like a couple of cowards just run through the train and get off at the next stop. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was far too old to do that at that point in time. I really was. But you know what? It was worth it. Saved a good few quid. I was a fair evasion expert when I was a kid. We you're, used... you're still bunking fares now, man. <laughs> <laughs> fares now. Mm. Well, that's been the odd trope. Um, it was like a rite of passage because when you were 15, you were charged adult fare mm. at that point in time. It wasn't free for under six, like under 16s. So I'd get, we'd get on a train in Tottenham. And everyone would be bunking the fair. And if there were inspectors there, there was a, you could just run along the platform and jump over a wall and sc- scale down. Oh, and it'd be wow. all the little kids would start like running towards them and get distracted by them. I, and I was like, hang at the back, dodge I, around there. And then buy a little permit to get back for 5p. So 25p a week I was paying for it in, as well. In my school, like the kids used to get off at like a, a station by me and there was a hole in the fence, but you had to cross, cross the track to get down to the hole in the fence. Ooh. And I never did it. But there was one day where I think I wanted some money to buy, like, fucking, not Power Slam, but it was probably, like, uh, what was like PWI or something like that, or The Wrestler. I wanted to buy a magazine. So I decided to buy, because I used to do that sometimes. I'd use my lunch money to buy, like, whatever Wrestler, we still be magazine if it came out that week. And I'd walk home from school. And I think I just really couldn't be arsed. So I got the train with my mates who were like, it's fine. We just crossed the track and we go out this hole in the fence. And I did it once. And it's, like, electrified rail, this is. Like, I Jesus. did it survived to tell a story 
never thought about it again for about 20 years. And then I think we were having dinner for my mum's birthday a few weeks ago. And the com- <laughs> for some reason, something about fair evasion like this came up. And I was like, oh, yeah, when I was about 14, I did that once. We, we jumped over the tracks at, at Seaford Station. And when I went through the fence and my mum's face was an absolute picture. I don't think she's forgiven me. It was, th- it was like 20 years ago. And she was still like, I can't believe you did that, Richard. That's absolutely disgusting. And I was like, mum, I was 14. It was 21 years ago. Leave me alone. Honestly, I'll never let that Richard. down. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> My mum does exactly the same when stuff from like the past comes out. Like, yeah, weird parental thing, that. I can't see JP doing it with his kids somehow. <laughs> I'd see him applaud them, if anything. Yeah, I probably would. I'd be a terrible influence. Te- in that teaching them the ways of the fair evasion. It's, it, it not, well, here it's all bikes for the most part, so that's what they end up doing. And they're both under 15, so for the most part, like when you're in London especially, you can travel around for free at this stage, or the 15 and under. So it's only another year, but Tommy will be 15 for a good four years, I think, at this point. Wait <laughs> till he's 19, get him around town. When he's earning his own money, there you go. then he can then he can pay. You can send him on to I don't know, Germany, <laughs> Brexit. Oh, that was another thing I was going to mention. Oh, I got cornered by at least four different Germans over the weekend, one of which was really, really angry about Brexit. Like, that was that was a whole... Every time I'd go to the toilet for some reason in the Turban Hall, like, I'd get, like, a random German going, oh, who are you? Where are you from? Why are you here? And, like, without fail, I reckon at least four or five times, four or five different people, when I said Liverpool, the light, the, the faces lit up. And then I'd be like, and they'd be like, oh, do you support Liverpool? And I'd go, no, Everton. And they'd be like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> It's the cop influence, I think. But there was this one guy, right? And I, 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 this was on, on night one as well. And he was absolutely wasted. And he's going, oh, are you from Liverpool? I support Liverpool. I'll buy you a drink. And I was like, no, it's fine. Honestly, I don't need the drink. He's like, no, I'll buy you a drink. I was like, I'm fine. He's like, I'll buy you a drink. I'm fine. I'll buy you a drink. He's like, okay, fine. So I went to the bar with him. And as you both know, in the Turban Hall, they take, it's bonds, isn't it? And not cash. So yeah. we get to the bar. He orders two drinks. And then the barman comes back. And he starts getting cash out of his wallet to pay. And the barman was like, um, no, we only take bonds. And he was like, oh, right. And then I was like, oh, right. And then I paid for the drinks with my bonds. I'm pretty sure I got grifted, lads. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like quite a canny, on-the-moment type scam to get a free beer. I did make sure... I, I know you won't like this, Benno, but fair play to him. That's actually, like, <laughs> no, in some ways, I've got a modicum of respect for that. Well, the good thing it's, is, he was wasted, and he was then, then he was trying to be my best mate. And then I was like, listen, mate, you do realise you are... I was, he was like, oh, I'll buy you a drink. And I was like, okay, yeah, buy me a drink. And he's like, oh, I'll get, I'll get you one. I was like, okay, get me one. And he was like, okay. So he disappeared for like 10 minutes and came back. And he did, in fairness to him, he did eventually buy me a drink back. And then when he gave me the drink, he went, okay, now you owe me a drink. And I was like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> it was just like... And then he, that's when he started getting a bit obstinate. That's when he started having a go at me about Brexit. And I was like, mate, I'm with the rest of them. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anyone who voted for Brexit. It's not my fault. Uh, yeah, and he was like, no, you owe me a drink. I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't, but nice to meet you, mate. Fixing a... I, I should have sent him up to speak to Will Cooling about Brexit, but uh, I was just trying to fix uh, English-German relations, to be honest. Yeah, you you needed um, Will Cooling negotiator at that point <laughs> in time to kind, kind of get involved you could have with it. He could sort out any situation. I reckon he could get Gabe Sapolsky and David Starr in the same room, and he'd just 
end up sorting the whole thing out in his own, <laughs> own inimitable way. Uh, well, should, should we talk about David Starr? That's kind of the biggest news story coming out of the year. Yeah. Weekend. And I'm not going to do like a full review of Carrot on this show. I'll talk about like some highlights and just me weekend in general. And obviously the big stories coming out. We're going to do a big review over on post, uh, like a full 16 Carrot Weekender review. But I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. But I do think like from a, from a start point, we've got to talk the David Starr story. Like that was... That's the thing that's doing the rounds. You know, you got the likes of Meltzer talking about it. You know, Paula Printner on post as a headline news story. Uh, it's getting around, but yeah, the uh, the main event with night two was David Starr and Cara Noir, or not Cara Noir, well, no, it wasn't. David Starr and Bobby Guns, I've got Cara Noir on the brain. He'll come up in a minute to do with a WWE-related WWE stuff. But yeah, David Starr and Bobby Guns was the night two main event. A match that I enjoyed, to be honest. I think a lot of people there live didn't seem to. I do think Bobby Guns isn't the, the most entertaining of people to be in there with David Starr, but I was into the story enough with David Starr and not wanting him to leave WXW it being a, a title versus career match that I was bang into it. I think I'm bang into pretty much anything David Starr does in ring at this point to a level I don't think I have been since the likes of CM Punk on the Indies, I'd probably say. So I was living or dying by the match, but I would say in the build to it, there wasn't a huge amount of, like, you'll know from Twitter, JP, David Starr wasn't hugely vocal about the match coming up. He didn't do a huge mm. amount promoting it being this big, big grudge match with him potentially leaving WXW if he left. So I think we probably should have been tipped off and I probably shouldn't have been so emotionally into the match and hoping he was going to win because naturally he did lose. And then after the match, cut a promo. And this was... There was an entirely out of character promo. We didn't. There was an, it wasn't even an allusion to the match or this, you know, being real or you know, to David Starr the character. He just purely got on the microphone and said so. Essentially, said that you know, while there's freedom of speech, there's no freedom of consequences from that speech, and essentially said that it was a mutual decision between him and WXW for him to leave WXW uh, and that it was a decision the, the, both sides came to. Neither side was happy about it. We tried to push WXW on the, the, the media, the press conference stuff that you know, you've been a part of in the past, JP. And as mm. usual, and as you've seen in the past, they never answer any questions when it comes to WWE. They just outright say, we can't answer that. We can't go into detail on that, but we're going to miss David Starr and we love David Starr. Uh, so you don't really get much colour on either side. There's been lots of speculation on it. Obviously, uh, David Starr is quite clearly going to be somebody WWE doesn't like. Uh, you know, it sounds like there's pressure from their end. I would say for his part, David Starr did try to push and push that it was a more of a mutual decision than that. Um, I could imagine, you know, say, say WXW is going on the WWE Network, like David Starr's never going to appear on that. Like there's no way, there's no way, even even if WXW, and they wouldn't, even if WXW and WWE said, oh, it's fine, we can have David Starr on WWE Network, David Starr wouldn't be going on WWE Network. So I think that's what he means when he says it's mutual. Uh, but yeah, fuck me, what a what a state of affairs. This is the, uh, unfortunately, you know, so, despite being as good as David Starr is, this is what's got, when WWE sinks its claws into the top of European wrestling, this, unfortunately, was always going to be the outcome. Yeah, and it took someone who was really been brave enough to sort of put their head above the parapet, parapet and actually start speaking about unionization within wrestling and pointing out the horrible business practices and about how as workers they're not there and he said a lot of stuff that was personally i agree with and i say this as someone who's you know i've mentioned it on here before member of a trade union been away for training recently for that as well it's that kind of you know 
he 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 knows himself what he's ended up doing it and he's kind of pushed it in these ways but it makes me kind of like him even more as a result of it because i don't he's not wrong he's fighting like a kind of much bigger fight saying to joe this is david versus goliath in an almost literal sense Mm. of him up against the wwe and there is not an argument in the world that convinces me that david star is wrong about this there's nothing unless you're just towing a party line, bootlicking, or don't like unions, or fundamentally don't understand what trade unions are there for. In that case, you can't really help with it. The idea of him being punished off it, so all those fucking bullshit merchants talking about taking food off the table, here's a literal example of someone not being given bookings. And you could argue having the food taken off his table doesn't fucking bitch about it, though, does he? Or sort of using it as some shitty line because they want to get in with that fucking loon at the top of that company. He should start using it. He should start using it. Just start using their lines in a comedic style just to expose how ridiculous they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Will's article on this was excellent yes. as well. But I think the thing is, if he makes any sort of change or he achieves anything with it, um, I think that's a bonus. Like, you know, you might not get it all the way. But there might be... There's a conversation where there wasn't one before. Exactly. There is some very... It's it, it's relatively small. And, and Will, in his article, was, did, did an absolutely fantastic job of sort of laying out, sort of building the foundation. Because all that T-shirt company bullshit and oh, the yeah. rest of it. And, you know. and it's the accusation that it's easy to say, oh, he's doing it for himself. And all that bollocks. Mm. Uh, okay, why does anyone ever sign for WWE? because they want to go there for themselves. Of course, yeah. That's why. That's all right. So he wants to make lots of wrestlers' lives better (laughs) collectively. So he's thinking, to use a a labour term, for the many, not the few. Yeah. And he's not thinking about the individual. Actually, as an individual, he's putting himself on the line, and there's an element of martyrdom to what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But the machine and the corporation are trying to make him look like he's a bad person for mm. sticking up for their talent and the talent who are so, I don't know, brainwashed by three letters. And childhood nostalgia. Yeah, uh, yeah. And not uh, just the talent, the promotions as well. Yeah, yeah, they're just so willing to kind of rail on him. Like, the thing I don't understand is, like, Pete Dunne was one of the first people to speak out about it. Mm. And you remember that tweet Pete Dunne which Will quoted in his article? Oh, oh yeah. It just made me lose all respect for Pete Dunne. And I think you could almost go as far as to say Pete Dunne in that regard was a bully because he was encouraging a lump on and he was encouraging yeah. people to look at David Starr in a different way. And also he was basically advocating making an industry that, and, a, and a scene within that industry of the independence kind of worse off when he'd been there and had been through that experience but now has that kind of privilege of having a safe job with WWE where he's kind of respected at a level. And it just shows such sort of tone deafness on the likes of Pete Dunne's part. Mm. And Mm. I I just don't think there's any defending having a go at someone for making a stand and actually, uh, you know, showing who they are and showing who they are as a person growing during that process as well, developing a resilience during this. It's kind of amazing how... Uh, pathetic corporations are when anyone 
or anything goes even slightly against them. And the WWE are one of the most pathetic corporations, I think, in existence, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, for Star's part, I think he does blur the line, doesn't he, between his wrestling character and the real-life stuff. So he, he can be, like, a magnet for criticism for that. Oh, yeah. But it's not like he's... he's everything he's saying, it's all for the greater good, isn't it? Like, okay. Like, that's that's the thing that really winds me up. It's like, you mentioned Pete Dunne's tweets there, Joe, and losing respect for him. It's like, for me, the, the bigger thing is, like, it does feel like from the, the bits and pieces you hear from, like, the, the NXT talents in general, like, there's this whole just idea of, like, putting out this nonsense that, that David Starr always... David Starr's a, a scumbag. David Starr's a, you know, he's a, he's working the fans. He's he's working everybody. He's not as good a person as he makes out. It's it's all about David Starr. It's not about this greater good that he's making out. And it's like, lads, you know, if that's if that's your big line from that side, like then you know, if if he, if the, the other thing and they'll push as well that you know, oh he, he's David Starr is you know he's only doing this because he couldn't get signed by WWE, which is fucking nonsense. Like it, it it's garbage, complete garbage. But even if it was true, like all their stuff about oh David Starr isn't this great worker. Okay, on the one on the one hand you're saying he's not this great worker. On the other hand you're saying he's worked the entire world into believing in him and believing in his stories and OTT uh, and believing him in, in this WXW moment and yeah. believing him as a wrestler. So how could he possibly be a bad worker? And also how can he be such a bad worker when he's living rent free in your head so much? Like if he's working anybody, David Starr works the boys. Cause fuck me. Do these NXT dweebs get wound up about David Starr stomping on a fucking prop? Like, that the amount of time, like hearing Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer go, yeah, the WWE side don't like him, and like listing the reasons off, and the reasons are that he fucking he stomped on a prop, he called Gabe Sapolsky a prick on Twitter, which he is, and he's made vocal yeah. attempts to unionize. Like if these are the things that make David Starr the bad guy, then fuck me, no wonder like everyone's turned on Pete Dunne and Azilk at this point because yeah, they're not the good guys, are you? And also the whole stepping on a title belt. That company use any prop, yep. uh, kind of real life happening or excuse to get heat on anything. They use the death of Eddie Guerrero <laughs> yep. to get fucking heat. They use the death of Reed Flair a couple of years ago when Charlotte Flair was out there breaking up. Muhammad like, Hassan. Yeah, yeah. Like they'll use anything to get heat. Mm-hmm. But someone steps on a fucking belt, <laughs> a belt, to get heat and get attention on, yes, himself, but also get that title, some of the most attention it's probably ever got, let's be honest here. Yep. And they moan about it because they didn't approve it, because they're fucking control freaks. It's the prime example of a corporation not having full control, almost like outsourcing one of their guys and you know to someone else. And then that not being respected when they've outsourced whatever they've done, it's not gone their way. It's just, they're a fucking joke. And they've no self-awareness whatsoever. The amount of times they've used a fucking belt to get heat or a belt as a prop. Didn't they do a title change over the weekend where Sami Zayn won the Intercontinental title and it sounded like it was entirely (laughs) heat-based to get heat for what Braun Strowman probably squashing him in 10 seconds at Wrestlemania or something. Like, they've just they've no fucking idea. 
like, good on him for stepping the title belt. If I was him, I'd have spat on it, I'd have rubbed my dick on it. As I say, he should have taken a slash on it while he was there. Or a fucking shit, man. <laughs> yeah. And he should have had a good fill of caffeine beforehand to make sure it was proper sloppy as well. <laughs> that's the and then he should have rubbed Pete Dunn's face in it. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the cherry on the icing, you know. Why not? Um, yeah, they just come across as marks, don't they? Like, imagine getting mad at that. Imagine that be the thing that winds you up. Like, yeah, the whole thing. in a fucking bubble. Yeah, and they get to exit that bubble, and they all reinforce one another's opinion in that bubble. Mm. And you could say that we live in a weird bubble of wrestling as well. I live a life seven days a week, six and a half days a week. I come here and talk for a few hours on a on an evening about wrestling. Yeah, I follow wrestling. I, I, I have a life. Their entire life is based around that fucking WWE system, the Kool-Aid, and the fact that, oh, my God, I work for WWE. Like, I wish some of these wrestlers would fucking grow up, seriously. Yeah. And, and then that's someone like Star, he's the outsider. He's, he, oh, you know, it just, make, all it is, you know, you mentioned Pete Dunham, Mark Andrews there. It just, clearly David Starr makes them feel guilty and makes them feel bad about themselves. It makes them feel, you know, they, they yeah. started their defense. If you want to talk about clothing brands, defending the wrestling, that's a clothing brand. Yeah. Cause what the fuck did it lead to? Nothing. And they're oh, still, the- they're still selling them t-shirts, JP. Oh yeah. There's a fuck ton of projection going on with all of the, all of the kind of attacks on him because it kind of hits at a, at a point that a lot of people don't want to say, which is, and it comes down to that idea of, of, selling out necessarily and it's a really difficult thing because there's a lot of good real world decisions if you've got family children you like you want the stability of being able to all of that stuff can be kind you know you, you can respect that there's nothing problematic really with that at all it's this kind of bullshit when you get into the idea of like sort of defending it rather than saying yep yeah, do you know what i'm not on the independent scene anymore good luck to them for whoever's mm. building up brands in the future there isn't there's kind of letting go of no i'm still this person it's like you're not you've changed you've you you've they've turned into these these other people in the meantime and their views on the business are you know i have to say, i'm not necessarily outdated per se but what they're kind of warranting is a is terrible for european wrestling and has oh. been terrible for European wrestling. This... And we've had David Starr kind of fighting for European wrestling. He's not even from Europe, for God's sake. <laughs> but, yeah. but here is someone who's actively coming and trying to do stuff. And this is the result of it. And it, obviously it sounds like WXW just put in the absolute bind of you're not going to be able to use him anymore. And that's it. And it's speaking out. And it's also the political stuff that he's saying, not necessarily just the unionization as well. I think the idea of being someone who's very much, uh, you know, progressive and it kind of links into his a lot of the things about, um, you know, the, for the 99 percent, not the one percent, which mm. obviously Vince would very much represent. Well, WWE are that. a far right company. if you ask. They are a far right wing company. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of the guys talk about Sinclair and Ring of Honor, like WWE's like. Well, yeah. Look at the money that went to the Trump Foundation, for example. Yeah. Look at Linda's role. Look at how they Saudi play that stuff. Yeah. Well, there, there you go. Hook, line, sinker. Yeah. They are. But I think a lot of these guys almost are in denial about the fact they work for that sort of company. I don't imagine someone like Pete Dunne comes mm-hmm. from that sort of you know background. Yeah. Look at Pete Dunne and Mark Andrews trying to set up what David Starr did with Equity. You know, they didn't pull it off. They didn't 
go through with it, did they? Mm. And then David Starr kind of comes back with it. Alex Shane spoke to us about yeah, that, he did, didn't he? he did. But there should be almost like an appreciation, I think, of the fact that he pulled it off, you yeah. know? Yeah. He went all the way with it, but because it's not them. So they're saying he only cares about himself. Clearly, they only care about themselves, but with their je- petty jealousy. Like, yeah, he's making people's lives better. It would be like an MP trying to push a motion through, right? Or push a policy through. And they can't quite do it. But the person who takes over, say, in their ministerial role afterwards, manages to get it through. And the MP being annoyed that their yeah. hard work was pushed through and people's lives became better as a result of it. Yeah, do you that think... That is the ultimate act of, you know, self-absorption, doing something to suit you. I was going to say, those people who have fought for rights and within the battle sort of of unionisation, the people who initially start the battle don't look at the ones who end up kind of pushing that bit further with a sense of resentment about it Mm. it's a sense of like good luck well done you've managed to do this um getting it back onto kind of uh, like i mean obviously we knew about like the progress situation and again you know i know we've mentioned it several times the will cooling article kind of spells out a lot the history of what's happened here and about we knew what happened obviously at progress and about the sort of booking on the fly that had to happen because Mm -hmm. probably would have been the fan reaction there as well I was going to ask you, at the point that he lost, like the realization that he was he was leaving. How did people feel at the end of that night too? That's the thing. It's like there's a real split this weekend. Uh, of the Germans are devastated as well about Star, but I think for the Brits and Irish, it's because we've seen it happen before. We're yeah. not just devastated about Star leaving. We're devastated about Tim Thatcher leaving. We're devastated about fucking Alexander Wolf, that NXT UK dweeb, coming back and getting a hero's welcome in Germany and winning their shotgun belt. We're seeing the warning signs that maybe the Germans aren't seeing because they haven't lived through it. Like, that that's kind of it for me. Like, uh, that's the... If this is the Europe we, we worried would, would come. Like, you know, it wasn't just tin foil hat stuff when we were railing against progress, when we were, and I'll say it a million times, the three people in that audience when they announced they were doing the Cruiserweight Classic that were shaking our heads and the rest of the audience were mm-hmm. cheering. That's what this weekend felt like when there were certain elements of WWE just creeping into WXW. Um, I mean, on that, like, just to go in, you know, on the start, I, think, I do think this was always coming. Like and that, and that, oh, yeah. it's it's yeah. a it's a sign of what happened. Like not even the direct because I don't think it's as direct as WWE just saying you can't use Star. I think what's happened is the network T is coming, as Will's alluded to. Something's changed in December or so because that's when you know progress started moving too. I feel like both sides in it. Like the fact that WXW was still using Star felt like for me like the way I'm writing a thing for post about it. For me, I put it as like it's like it's a collision course with reality. I think it was was kind of coming because I think for David Star, he can't appear on WWE Network as the We the Indie founder, as a vocal mm-hmm. critic of this of it and of its payment to wrestlers, a rightful critic, someone who's fighting for wrestler rights and fighting for the fact that WWE pay fuck all to people who are on the network. There was no way he was going to be able to appear on the network. And from WXW's point of view, you know, having a having a David Starr who does blur the line between being like a real life actist and being a and being a wrestling character like no one's ever done before, having him so vocal politically on the shows is gonna be 
a headache to say the least and he probably would they probably have been in a situation where maybe they use him on live shows but not put him on the network which again sounds like a headache i think really it could be as simple as wxw have gone directly to star and no one's told me this but have said you know can you just tone down the political stuff and david star being david star has gone well no of course i can't like because one that kills his credibility and two from a moral point of view he's not going to do that so i think yeah. this was always coming i think the fact that wwe has got his claw got his claws into european wrestling in ways like this even in not a direct way that's what causes progress not to be able to use david star wxdb not be able to use david star and causes literally they're for me they're the top two promotions in europe with ott up there too uh, and lord knows what's going to happen with ott over this next year hopefully they are enough on mm-hmm. the outside that they're immune from this because my god they've got all their ba- their eggs in that david star basket but i do think yeah just this the very presence of wwe and being able to dangle that carrot to companies like wxw and progress means that you're going to get situations like this and more situations like this and it's not always the direct result of wwe coming in stripping talent that's going to be the problem in europe over these next few years it's stuff like this yeah they get to blackball people that's what they they get to do they they get to have that power and they get to directly affect people's futures and livelihoods if they want to do that and this is the problem with their further monopolization of the industry and the fact that Mm. people are bending over and letting this Mm kind of happen and companies are sort of in a position at times i think where they're like shit what do we do here do we go with this because you know it's going to be a fight if we don't i rev pro or you know do we have some balls and go to quote jp hell for leather like i don't know the likes of andy quilded have kind of had to do since this has kind of happened if anything and mm. you look at the japan moves they're making as well this stuff's kind of worrying i'm hoping that there's such a culture of wrestling in japan anyway that it will just be rejected at hand yeah. in many ways but yeah it's 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 it sucks it really does suck yeah. and yeah the monop- this 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 is evidence of why monopolies are bad yeah yeah because one company can have if they've got a problem with david star or if david star's got a problem with them that means david star can't work in the two biggest indies in europe yeah just yeah i mean i would say like i think the thing about uh, all mate, this is... he's gonna make rev pro the biggest indie <laughs> this year. once he gets back rolling there hey, title the... match in may against the best in the world you know Remember, Don't know if he's going to win it, but you know, hopefully his new long-term storylines are going to be connected in Red Pro. Upgraded the cameras at the Sheffield show of the weekend. <laughs> Live vision mixer is what there as well, seen by Martin Bushby. You know, I've, I've high hopes that the new production is going to be uh, at the level of Star's ability, and Red Pro is going to march on and the uh, <laughs> be the kind of anti WWE promotion that we all want it to be. Oh. I, I, anyway (laughs) if we're gonna sound biased this is the time to sound biased because that's it like remember the tail end of last year when david Starr was written out of rev pro to to one to tell this story but two based on like reports that i heard because he was going to be doing more stuff in progress that felt that feels like a really bad move to tail end of that year last year what we want this year is the is the opposite isn't it if he continues to just work rev pro continues to work ott to raise those ships instead and have people maybe spend the money there rather than in WWE feed the leagues 
And I'll also say, fingers crossed, New Japan for a best of the Super Juniors run. He's more than earned one of those as an outsider spot coming in. Do you think he could get away with working for AEW? We were talking this at the weekend. Imagine that came up. Would that be hypocritical? Because, I mean, we've got a. Although we, we love AEW as this alternative mm-hmm. to WWE, you have always got to remember there's another, you know, billionaire Republican behind it. Well, it depends where you want to go in terms of the purity contest. And I think WWE's track record is so storied at this point, and they're. Like move-wise, it's also transparent and obvious, and we know what their playbook is. AEW is still kind of an anomaly in that area. I don't know a massive amount about Shad Khan's background or the rest of it, um, but at the same time, he's given to Republicans, but he's also given to Democrats. That's yeah. part of what, the, but it's part of what they do in order to just curry favour. Is that true? I didn't you, know that. You, you give money Trump, to both sides. Trump did that as well, though, didn't he? Yeah. Books, Trump. Yeah. Trump was a Democrat. A Democrat. Yeah. I was yeah. Say, and yeah. no billionaires are innocent either. Let's say that. No. Yeah. Oh no! Exactly. And you know, at the same time, I think if we're going to have a, these companies survive in the current landscape, it feels like you almost need some sort of billionaire backer, especially in the US. Mm-hmm. Now, if he did, I wouldn't have anything against it. Because it feels like AEW's uh, kind of working patterns are more flexible. There's more leeway for the wrestlers involved and the guys generally. It seems like they're kind of trying to sort of make moves to make the lives of wrestlers easier and accommodate yeah. them, if anything. Not so, having the house shows is obviously the great thing yeah, as well. But I, I don't think that, you know, AEW have, what, over 30 years of just being fucking evil <laughs> yeah. to make you kind of doubt them. And also, AEW because with bias, they've not come to a thriving scene in Europe or a scene that was maybe on the downswing, hard to say, and try to wreck it, take it over hmm. and monopolise it and control it for their own game. So, no, I wouldn't have anything against it. And with AEW sort of being a little bit flexible around indie dates and wrestlers still doing indie dates here and there, maybe if he could negotiate a contract where he was allowed to do that and he was allowed to push this stuff. And But even if they didn't, it, like if he gets pulled to AEW, he's getting pulled to a proper company to be on proper TV. It's not an NXT UK contract, is it, where he's being hoarded for no good reason? Like you wouldn't begrudge that. Yeah. Someone signs a full-time contract. Yeah, yeah. Also, I'd have absolute faith in him that if he's going to negotiate a contract with that and something he agrees with, he's happy with the terms. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would be a case of, like it, within WWE, you just know that's not going to happen. Whereas I think it'd be a case of this is who I am as a wrestler. This is this is who I am as a person, as a character. And it's kind of take it or leave it really at this point. And I'd be confident enough that he would he would actually say that because he has a relationship with Tony Khan. So, you know, there is there is an idea, you know, they would have would have spoken at Rev Pro shows and the like as well. So, I mean, mm. these aren't things that would be completely I, th- I think he'd be up completely upfront about it. Whereas WWE, it isn't. You're kind of like, you're you're signing over your rights to even have those kind of discussions yeah, with Yeah, exactly. And I think Tone knows talent as well, yeah. let's be honest here. Whereas, you know, WWE wouldn't know talent if it was stood right in front of Vincent Mann's face, mm. to be honest with you. Well, this is the other thing I was thinking about as well. There's a lot of like kind of, you know, WWE, their sort of history of the business and, and, and loving the history of the business, being the owners of it. What were a lot of the wrestlers like in the 70s and 80s? Obviously, without the unionization, but they were strong characters who fought for themselves and actually fought for their character. Like, this is who we are for the most part. And they would go from territory to territory. And that's kind of what he is. And it's the thing that people love to mythologize around. But here's someone who's actually doing it in 2020 with also the added benefit of actually going, do you know what? I'm going to try and make it better for everyone else. And he's, and they, but he's got real-world opinions, mate. It's dangerous. 
He's doing. World remember what Roddy Piper is. said about wrestling needing a union. Je- didn't Jesse Ventura? Jesse Ventura. Yeah, well. I think he was one of the first ones. And he was blackballed for years, wasn't he? There mm. was there was a like kind of union setup. Where I think it was around like twenties, thirties as well. I'd seen something around that. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see Jesse. I want to say it was Will Cooling put it up on Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> he did. Didn't Another he mention up... for him, <laughs> mate. We're not going to get enough braces. of these. The National very Express. Much the Will, Will Cooling a, a, a appreciation show. This one. Jesse Ventura and David Starr is a conversation I'd love to see. Love to see a podcast with those mm. two. I've, I'm fascinated by Jesse Ventura. He's libertarian, isn't mm. he? As well, interesting bloke. I'm sure they could have a great conversation about unionisation oh. and wrestling. Be great to hear what Jesse would say about what he tried to do in the late 80s, early 90s, the consequences of it as well. I'd love to see that set up as a as a conversation, but. That's an aside. Can I just go on another aside, actually, Benno? Go for it. I had a dream last night. So oh. I read, um, here he is again, Will Cooling's article <laughs> uh, when I was in bed last night and went to sleep soon as after I read it. So David Starr was, you know, on my mind. I had a dream that me, my brother, he was the muscle, and David Starr went to Titan Towers and managed to get a meeting with Vince McMahon and confronted him and had a go at him for being an absolute twat and not understanding <laughs> wrestling and wrecking the business. And it was it was quite the dream. Like I woke up immediately after it, needing a piss, and was thinking, that was a fucking dream. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've had a dream like that in some time. Like uh, It kind of sums me up a bit of a sad, Vivid. A bit of a sad bastard that I'm dreaming about, you know, having a go at a billionaire. Was there any weird moments in it that you do get with him dreams? <laughs> He tried to like press a buzzer or something at one point. Oh. Right, my brother stopped him from doing it. <laughs> Sam was there as well. Okay, yeah, he was the muscle. And <laughs> I, I basically stood there just pointing and shouting at him. Just, I can't really remember what was said, but you can imagine what was said. And Star was joining in with me. It was, oh, I can it imagine. Was a, it was a great dream, and I was disappointed when I woke up from it. Uh, yeah, I, I think this this podcast got the most references to Will Cooling in any hour. What a what a week for the yeah. 26 hour man. The Ed Balls of professional wrestling. The rum in your coke, as I. <laughs> it, it, it really Balls, is. I thought he was the Ken Clark. Of Ken that. Clark works too. Clark works too. The physical embodiment of rum, as I recall, the one. So I said, that's Will. We'll have but, to get him on Strictly Come Dancing next to these Ed Balls. I'll be up for that. <laughs> I'll be honest, I want to see Will Cooling sent out to Nigeria to interview Power Ruti. That's <laughs> what I want to tell. I want in on that. That's I reckon the podcast I want. as well. I. Yeah, as much as I love Damon Abram on the um, on the rest on the wrestler series, you're doing wrestler series too. You're putting Will Cooling front and center of that program with Power Ooty. Use the Wade Keller connection. Get in contact with Old Ooty. I'm sure that's a route in. <laughs> I'll, I'll be well up for that. Yeah. Oh, we can only hope. He can um, get on the Guinness rather than the rum in Nigeria as well, can't he? Yeah, the world's biggest Guinness plants out yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, I think he was telling us that about like being out there because he, he he's been out that way and he was saying that like you could just take your own rum to, to bars and just sit off and drink it. Take it like he said that he used to take like a whole keg of beer and you just sit outside the bar and nobody cared. Sounds like the right kind of place I want to go to. You could take your own oval team, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got fucking enough of it over there. <laughs> I do. I do. I had a couple of cups during this show. <laughs> That's my limit, as I've made perfectly clear. There is a two-cup limit going on. There's an edit point in this first hour of the podcast, everyone. If you can, if you if you noticed it yourself, then that was when JP was filling up his herbal team. Oh yeah, it's a noisy bugger of a kettle I've got here. So, <laughs> um, but back on the WXW stuff. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> but just that, no. Uh, I think it's relevant though to what we're saying because it's like you know. <sighs> 
people, and I think Germans especially, might be listening to us going, ah, but the WWE relationship has been mostly good for, for WXW. And I would say that WXW have handled it better than Progress. I think that's fair to say. Like, remember, the, remember the secrecy. I mean, WXW aren't great with being forthcoming, but remember the secrecy around Progress and the denial and they're just... They just handled it badly. But then the boasting and the humble brags when it yes, was like, yes. oh my God, WWE, here's Jack Gallagher. Whoa. <laughs> WWE we seem to be treating them more as a business, don't they? And if you want to say from a business point of view, and I really do think this needs hammering home, this weekend was WXW's best weekend ever. Like the Saturday did 1,600 people in Turbot Hollow 1 and it was fucking packed. Joe, the to- no, the, no, the media toilets upstairs close to the public yeah. I had to use the downstairs ones with 1,599 other people wasn't a great scene mate hated it um, but the place was absolutely packed um, and yeah like this stuff but it feels to me and I think the thing is a big story for me over Carrot Weekend was the difference in attitude the Brits and the Irish had to this weekend to the to the natives and it's because we've seen it happen before like Karen Noir made his WXW de- debut on this weekend one Carrot and if you look at if you look at you know as in ring debut at least if you look at like Karen Noir as you know is someone who he did get over with the fans he did he had a great weekend I would argue that pretty much all of his matches were great over the weekend it was the best Karen Noir I've seen outside the Riptide that's all great stuff but at the same time Karen Noir where else is he the champion of oh yeah he's the Progress champion didn't have his belt actually which was weird but he's the Progress champion he now wins sixteen carats like. Are we all crazy? But pretty much every Brit and Irish in the in the crowd was going, hmm, I wonder where Karen Awar is going to get announced as being in three months. Yeah, yeah. It's suspicious indeed. Yeah. yeah it, uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, right, okay, someone's probably got a sneaky little contract there, haven't they? <laughs> I felt like that when he won the progress belt, to be honest, because it just felt so unprogress to go with him. Um, I guess we'll see. And, you know, I, it's one of those things, like, there is a real difference there because, like I mentioned earlier, Alexander Wolf coming out, I know he's a legend in Germany. I don't get it, but I get it, but I get that. But him coming out and getting a huge response. I think Eddie Kingston had to go NXT at one point on the mic and got booed. And I was like, yeah, there's a real... There's a, well, he was having to go at all. You think he had to go at AEW, had to go at NXT. He, he basically kind of... He, he's Eddie Kingston. It, it's what he does. Like, But I think overall, I think the, the, the fans in Germany, maybe because they haven't lived it like we have over these last couple of years, don't seem to see this coming. And the NXT UK guys can turn up, like they did last year when you were there, Joe, and get a monster pop. Uh, you know, they can turn up from their where weekend in Germany, where sorry, their weekend in Coventry, where they've drawn 600 people a show and, and skate over to, to Germany on a Sunday and and still be heroes. There's a real difference there, I think, in the, in the attitude. Because I think if, if those guys turned up I think most of the Brits and Irish seeing those guys turned up, they're going to boo them out the building. They probably get a big cheer in progress, but other than that, I think we're all a bit more sceptical uh, of why these types of uh, deals happen, why why WXW are able to use uh, an Alexander Wolf and put their shotgun belt on him, uh, uh, if anything. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, in terms of that and the reaction to it, I mean, Patrick... Um the media manager, he'd sent a photo of you during that when he, <laughs> when he came out. I'll do a look, JP. You've got to send me that for the show, the, the show images. Yeah. <laughs> you, 
I you weren't happy. <laughs> you weren't. You weren't happy at all. I was on the balcony, um, JP, surveying the situation and looking at the joy on the Germans' faces and looking at the just the confusion on all the Brits, on the Irish and Brits. Uh, I always do Brits and Irish, JP. I should say should go the other way, shouldn't I? Irish and Brits. Uh, see it all, yeah. the, all the uh, the confusion on their faces. But they did it last year. So mm. Yeah. They basically, just press repeat. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of did what they did last year. Like yeah. I sort of got it last year, but. Feels like he's sort of like the Jimmy Havoc of WXW. You know, like that pop he gets every time he comes back to progress. And you're like, why are you falling for this again? Like, is this uh, not getting a bit repetitive? Is it not getting actually, a bit boring? Maybe I shouldn't say the Germans have got a different attitude than the English. Maybe it's just the English I speak to, because you're right. The progress fans react the same way. Yeah, but let's be honest. Those progress fans who were reacting like that, mm, mm, they're probably those who are, you know... Of the 800 in Coventry Skydome on a Friday night. <laughs> 800, mate, that's shot. generous. Did you it, see? Oh, okay. I saw 800 was the the announced. Oh, what, did you, what? I believe six. Did you see those empty seats? Wow. I, I didn't even believe that's six. That's yeah. less than progress. Yeah, it looked awful. Fuck me, it is, isn't it? Yeah. 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 They should be running the ballroom. Mate, Kabashi and the lads outdrew uh, NXT UK when they had the Coventry Skydome. <laughs> By a fucking three to one, four to one margin, didn't they? And Noah wasn't on BT Sport, was it? Yeah, he so, wasn't. Yeah, good on the lads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, like just it just it was a very weird feeling weekend from that point. I think a lot of people, like if anyone reads Arm Fioris's great blogs about this weekends, mm-hmm. about these weekends, like. Even he, you know, as someone who's very much been someone really positive about WXW and taught people like us into going out there. Yeah. Even he's like, hmm, things feel different now. And that's it. It was such a weird mixed emotion. Because I hear people saying, like, this was this was a bad carrot or, you know, that day three was a terrible day. I've got to push back on that a bit because I do think the actual in-ring stuff was great. It was just this... It was like last year, you know, when the Canyon Seaman video played and we all went, oh... I think we all just had that feeling because, again, business-wise, it was the most successful carrots ever. Although you wonder, like with Progress, you know, they, they, they signed up with WWE, they got creatively bankrupt, but they still had, you know, 2017 and 2018 were probably two of their most well-doing business years ever. You know, it takes a while for these things to, to sink in, so maybe maybe don't take too much note of that as, like, an, an overriding thing of, well, everything's going to be fine. But I would say, yeah, from an in-ring point of view, it was a great weekend. Like, uh, Bandido and Speedball Mike Bailey on night two had one of the best matches I've, I've seen live. That was Fans were throwing money in the ring at the end of the match, notes and coins as well, which made me cringe. You're kind of like... That's a bit you, risky. You used to watch them footy, aren't you? And watching people take corners and look like they've been shot when they get hit by a coin. Uh, these lads, Bandido and Bailey, didn't really care. They were just uh, soaking in the adulation of it and uh, and taking those coins. I mean, yeah, that was, that was great, to be honest. That was brilliant. Like I, to be honest, I would have had Speedball Mike Bailey win the entire thing, him going to the final and, and not winning seemed a bit odd. But for me, he was the MVP of the tournament. He, such, he had a great match with Ridgeway over the over the weekend with just incredible kicks uh, just incredible hard hitting stuff uh, Ridgeway's one who yeah never really worked for me until this uh, this tour of Japan and now he does seem like a different wrestler but yeah Speedball was great there was great against Bandido who on his night can be one of the best wrestlers in the world like the the timing he's got, the spots that, that him and Speedball ran through. There was a spot they did where Speedball was going for a shoulder block and Bandino, Bandido was on the apron and Bandido jumped over Speedball like a springboard onto the top rope and all in one motion, Speedball went through the second to the outside. Bandido carried on going up, got to the top rope and then did the springboard moonsault all in like one fluid motion. He is absolutely 
incredible to watch live like he for me stole the weekend as well as bailey did he was in an incredible you know they do those flippy uh six-man tag on the on the last night him and black taurus uh in there where it was jeff cobb julian pace uh hector who someone had not seen before and puma king absolutely tore it up black taurus i'd seen on thursday at tnt as well like one uh just a, a just a fridge of a man but able to do all the, the great lucha spots that you want it was absolutely incredible getting to see those guys live and you know the way those brilliant in-ring highlights throughout the weekend you know mike bailey again speaking of Aaron with Karen noir in the final another great match like it was the very much did the because the thing is as much as you know i'm gonna i might rail on Karen noir a little bit as like it feels like he might be the wwe choice and it's a bit weird the progress are going with him at the same time as wxw are going with him make no mistake he got over huge on this weekend that that entrance i know you're not an entrance guy joe but that entrance really worked for the Germans. Oh, i like the music it, it, reminds, me of, it reminds me of billy elliott and black swan two films i quite like and alexander gudinov who plays um carl yeah the key henchman in die hard who was a royal ballet dancer so it reminds me of three things i really like <laughs> there you go. Right i like both of those films at least uh but yeah that, that song's been in my head to be honest ever since i got home uh but yeah a, a, i think because of the negativity a lot of the irish a lot of the brits have kind of come back and gone oh, i didn't like the final i didn't like the weekend i like the final karen or mike bailey they very much did the Maybe it's because I was there live and I've got that element alive bias. They, they did do they go went a little bit Gargano with it, like Karnawar, not quite staring at his hands, but you know the, the both of them doing the whole oh I'm gonna have to put this guy out of his misery. How sad is it? Kind of thing. Uh, although Bailey kind of went against that type and just kicked Karnawar's head off instead uh, of helping him back to his feet. But there was a lot of that stuff that you kind of got in the Ilya matches, you know, where they're the lying on top of each other and they're trying to make it into a big drama. But I honestly think if anybody's gonna get away with doing that. It is Karanoir. Like, that's that's kind of who he is and what his character is. So I didn't hate it as much as I might usually hate it with other matches. And I, I thought they did have a good final. Nowhere near as good as last year's final. Um, remember uh, Lucky Kid? He's a wrestler. Uh, oh. Nowhere near as good as that. But still, very, very good. Uh, and there was a lot, you know, maybe I wouldn't say there was anything that hit the level of, say, Walter and Phoenix from last year. I think we mostly agreed that was the match of the tournament last year. Mm. But there, were, there was strong stuff. Eddie Kingston kind of killed it throughout the tournament. I was sad he didn't make it to the final. He was kind of... He, he was going out there and after each match as he went through the rounds, cutting promos about this is his year and he's sick of putting over all these these nobodies who've wound up in NXT and AW and all that. Um, I'm just being Eddie Kingston on the mic. He ran right through Julian Pace uh, in one of the matches, which I thought was a brilliant squash. He was another highlight of the weekend. So there was great stuff in there. Just maybe, I think, the combination of nothing hitting that close to five-star level and nothing maybe... I suppose being good enough to wash the bad taste out of some people's mouth with a lot of like the warning signs of, you know, Star leaving, Tim Thatcher leaving, you know, the, the NXT UK or NXT WWE influence in general over WXW, I think was a was a big cloud for a lot of people when you when you see the reviews of this weekend and you see just how mixed everybody's been. Yeah, it, it was funny. I was following it along um, as the results were coming in and it was kind of interesting sort of seeing what some of the reactions were, what your reactions were. 
I want to give a shout out to a couple of the things end up ended up following along the way. Obviously, Ian Hamilton is like the first person you have to bring up as well. In terms of was he absolutely doing the Lord's work, getting oh reports up within a couple of minutes? It is an absolute sight standing behind Ian Hamilton, the flames coming off his keyboard as he's hitting enter and putting reviews up while the wrestlers in the main event are still in the ring. Like that's, I don't know anybody who does that level of work anyway. It's absolutely impressive. Like from that, so you had that. A shout out to um, Andy Ogden and the Graps and Claps podcast. Thought it did brilliant stuff with mm. um, with Alan Cheapshot as well. So and it was interesting listening to those because you're very easy able to to sort of gauge the mood and then managed to get round to obviously reading Will's article and Arn Furious's um, recap of the whole of the of the whole event. And you kind of you can see and hear that kind of like emotional. And you mentioned it before that kind of emotional roller coaster that people are on of like they're really enjoying stuff but at the same time there's a real hesitancy about what's going on and how much more they're going to end up enjoying this company at what yeah. point is it going to be the point where you go do you know what i'm kind of it's why done. i didn't want to go this year i thought last year I was, at the end of it i was like i love doing this but there are bad signs here i don't want to do it again as much as i love doing it mm. and, you know love the weekend away and all the rest of and it and it's like the people who work for wxw are great as well they're yeah. really nice yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like there's there's like and you don't get that impression from star about it that there's that kind of bad blood with with say taz and felix yeah. and, and dennis burkdale i don't think that exists in any way shape or form for no it. absolutely not um but um in terms of what i I saw Jern Simmons at a bit of a pitch. He is fucking shit. I think that's the other thing. What is the appeal of that bloke? Seriously. I saw he got to the semi-final and was like, thank God I (laughs) am. Because I would have had to watch three Jern Simmons matches. And watching like a minute of a Jern Simmons match, I find hard enough. Yeah, and he he just when when he beat Lucky Kids in the opening rounds, I was just like, oh god, this is what we're in for. And then he went through to the semis, and I was like, oh my god, we're getting a Jern Simmons final. I don't get him. I don't know whether it, maybe it's just the fact that we float in on these these big weekenders, but I don't really know anybody who isn't trying to be who isn't let's say mates with Ian Simmons outside the wrestling who rates Ian Simmons. I just think he's a guy like you know. Uh, there's there's a bit of that on like that WXW mid card. Avalanche is fine. I don't think he's as good as people want him to be. Julian Alani. Pace is good, not as good as people want him to be. Yeah, uh, the rotation people really want him to be good, and he's got a real connection with the crowds as an underdog. I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't, to be honest, I get why Ian Simmons was in the semis because to me, from that list of WXW talent, there wasn't really anybody that you could have put in that role aside from Lucky Kid if they hadn't shit the bed with him over this last year after winning. Like, would you be, Joe, you would have been rolling your eyes. Like, after a, after winning it last year, one, he went out in the first round in this and he went out because he got distracted by this music video on the screen. Turned out over the weekend, we found out that Lucky Kid was actually behind the distracted music video. So he distracted himself. And he was now a heel. Get got Kobe back. He's got a new Seriously? name, and he's got a, he's got a, he's got he's basically gone full Seth Rollins. He's got his own version of AOP behind him, and they've changed his name to something fucking random like Metahan. Metahan, real name. Yeah. Booking this. Honestly, that that was real warning signs for me. These big weekenders are still doing great business. I think people see it as a big destination weekend. Like even when the booking's bad, I'm like, yeah, but I'd like to go for Germany for a few days and have a big weekend. But the booking was 
especially ropey on this one. Is Glenn Joseph around over the week? <laughs> Hey, Carnival winning, it does send up some warning flags, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, got his fingerprints all over this weekend. Yeah. Really has. I mean, <laughs> one positive I really would like to point out, though, like, was just seeing, you mentioned the Ogden boys there, seeing them too, like, proud dads when the Young Guns came out. Young, mm. like, young Guns are people who we've maybe talked briefly about on this podcast, uh, Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs, we saw saw Luke on the Future Shock show when you guys came up north and I talked a little bit about their their Tetsujin final uh, at the, at the he was the, the last he year. was the standout for us on that Future Shock oh, show that match he had with Ridgeway I thought that was Ethan Allen who had the match with Ridgeway no it was Luke Jacobs I think. Oh, was it not Ethan Allen the sort of bit beefier guy but Ethan Allen's the smaller one the ginger guy Oh right, I'm getting I'm getting the two lads mixed up. I apologise. No, Sorry. Right. No, but like, honestly, but he they, was, wasn't he? He was the standout of that show. He was the thing that we sort of all found ourselves watching. Going, how old is he? Yeah, Maybe? he's got mini beefy fucker about him. Hasn't he? Oh, he has. Mate, yeah. I, re- I was saying to everyone at the weekend, like I'm not. He's I'm developing not... the beef and developing the fucker, but he's going to be <laughs> full blown beefy fucker soon enough. I have to think he's getting his beef and his fuck on at the same time. As well, good luck right? to him. He should do the young man. Blow jobs, good on the bloke. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell! But yeah, like I honestly, it feels bad to me because I, I, I'm not like I'm not the Ogdens. Don't get me wrong; they were the proper proud dads on this weekend because they've seen them develop from nothing to this to getting a big booking in WXW on a big weekend there. But like I remember seeing Ethan Allen like being like 13, 14, going to progress shows. He looked basically the same as he does now. But like just seeing like their developments, and I think a lot is being pinned on them because they've clearly, clearly got something there there's potential there the, mm. the the style that they work makes them stand out from pretty much everybody else in the northwest they do feel like they've got something different about them ridgeway's kind of taking them under their wings as uh, them under his wing as like these uh, little mini shooters who kind of back them up in that northwest strong uh stable uh which we saw a little bit over this weekend so i don't want to you know overdo it too much to the point where i think i've heard somebody say before that the two are the best wrestlers in the world they're not there yet let's all be completely honest they're uh, not. and they won't be there for a while no but the potential is there, and they yeah. are like the, the honest. Seeing them come out and um, they came out at ambition, and they're the match similar to the Tetsuja match, which was you know they didn't maybe go as all out. They still did a lot more than maybe a lot of the the open and round ambition matches did, and these were like they were the main event of night one. The two young lads, you need to go out there and do that, and they absolutely killed it. There was a point where I think uh, Ethan Allen uh, dropped Luke Jacobs right on his head with a. What you call the what's the real name for the Rikishi driver? I kept calling it that all weekend. Fuck it, it's called the Rikishi driver. That's what <laughs> I'm going with. Uh, you know that that was a great spot in the match. They beat the shit out of each other, but they told a great story. Ethan Allen is like this underdog selling, and Luke Jacobs as the big beefier fucker beating the shit out of him. Like it was a it they didn't go quite to the level they did in the Tetsuja match. And I asked Tash Young about it because he was the referee at the Tetsuja match and that's the reason they got booked here. And he was kind of saying that yeah, they thought they did really well and they did they did the match that I think introduced them to the WXW crowd more than like went all out and maybe entirely stole the show. But it was just it was incredible to see. Like I say, Jeff Ogden had tears in his eyes. I I don't even feel connected to the Northwest wrestling scene anymore. And even I felt like I had tears in my eyes. It was a great moment and it was great to see them come over and do so well. Uh, I believe have you seen that Tetsuja match have you Joe? I watched it over the weekend. Mm. I, I, I saw that their show was up on YouTube for free. I didn't know it was. Mm. And after you raved to us on a Messenger about the, this one, Ben, I was like, oh, I should give that a watch. It was really good. For like two young lads. Yeah. Really good. But it's the style. 
like their wrestling style that it hasn't been fashionable for a long time. Mm, yeah. But it's a style that I really like. Uh, laying it in, really laying it in. Thinking about like that sort of brutal element, but that sort of work brutal element. A pace and explosiveness to the strikes, to the offense, a bit of torque on the suplex and stuff as mm. well. Stuff that I really rate and really like, and that's there with them. What I was thinking when I was watching it is, obviously, they're great as one another's kind of dance partner. I, I would, I've, I've seen uh, the beefier fucker get in there with Chris Ridgway and have a great match as well. Mm. But it's a similar style. Um, uh, calm down with the best in the world stuff, because you want to see them wrestle other guys who don't necessarily compliment that style. Yeah. What would happen if you got in there with Bandido? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it would be interesting to see them in that element where they're not wrestling with someone with that similar style. I've not seen that. Oh, I can, I can give you an example of that this weekend, Joe. They got in there okay. with Absolute Andy and Jay Skilly. If you All want right. to talk about opposites, and you know what? There's a point to what you're saying because they did get swallowed up a little bit. Like, Absolute Andy is like this comedy baby face now. And there was a lot of that on the match. And the Young Goods did feel kind of secondary to that style. And it did feel a bit like they had this great weekend. They had this great moment in the match against each other. They also won a, a tag gauntlet where they had an amazing last segment with Scotty Davis and Chris Ridgway. Again, two people who do their style. But it did feel a little bit of a homebloom when they got in there with JA. So I do get your point. Yeah. It's like uh, a couple of years ago in Progress when you had Connor Mills and Maverick Mayhew doing those mm. matches together. And they were really fun matches for like kind of flippy, like young indie lab matches. felt like like Jersey all pro matches yeah. at a 2001 sort of thing. But you knew they, they trained together. Yeah, and they could do all that stuff together. Whereas this is a similar thing with a different style. So it's all about developing outside yeah. of that comfort zone where they're kind of in with one another, if anything. Be like me going on a podcast with a couple of other lads who I'm not used to doing stuff with. And I don't do that generally. I just leave that to you guys. So, yeah. <laughs> we export JP, not you. I was going to say, yeah. How old are they now at this point? Are there any either of them 19 at this stage? Not even 19 yet. 19. Not even 19 oh, yet. So when we're talking age-wise, we shouldn't be talking about them peaking any time really for about eight, nine years yeah. before getting to that stage. And you think of the things that they should be doing in terms of the journey. I would hope, even at this early stage, trip to Japan, being in a dojo, if they manage to get into a kind of Noah dojo, just to be able to do do some training over there as much as anything else. I think they're doing the world of good. Mm. It would help them develop the style that they kind of already have. They're also very good at being able to put them in against sort of like real veteran workers there, some of the really sort of older crew on the undercard of a Noah card, which would always help them develop. It's about not rushing it is really the crucial thing with this. It's about, you know, exposure and other stuff like this. The idea of them as a six as a six person group working a sort of northwest Indies, I mean, God, you'd like to see them working sort of all over the UK doing doing the stuff with Chris Ridgway because that's like kind of easier way in for a lot of fans who don't know who they are at this stage being able to use that but we're talking years yeah, yeah I wouldn't even getting say, to that I wouldn't point. even say like a, J- a Japan excursion for the next two years I'd say make your way around the British oh yeah yeah, yeah. For a couple of years. Oh. I'm only talking about training stuff for a few yeah. weeks just oh, to, get, okay. to get a taste right. of it yeah, not yeah. going out there not moving not doing what Gabriel Kidd's doing yeah uh, Gabriel Kidd's wrestled for like what five ex- six years before exactly. he's done that yeah, I mean, I'll be blunt. Like, I, I don't mind saying it on air. I literally messaged Matt Richards and was like, "You need to get behind these lads. Need to be on your shows if you want any any hope of progress getting better this year. Like, you like you, they should be in the top position on your shows. They should be in the top position on Rev Pro shows. They should be 
that they should be by the end. I'm going to be honest, mate. Maybe not I, progress. I don't want them anywhere near progress, guys. <laughs> don't progress at this, at this moment. No disrespect to your man, man Richards, and I was blowing a spot him before. Fucking dumping ground at this point in time. That's like true, it's just true. an NXT UK cesspit. Like just avoid it. You don't want. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in there having having guys were connected to WWE kind of putting feelers out, putting That's pressure true. on you backstage over these NXT UK contracts. I, I, I get the impression that would happen. I mean, I, get them as far away from that shite as possible because you don't want a situation that you've got with, say, Dan Maloney, who for some bizarre reason has gone back to NXT UK, it seems, over this weekend. Yeah, I, yeah just avoid progress at all costs. Hopefully Quilden... I was going to say, can you get on the phone to Quilden? Can you sort this out, Joe? I've got him on speed dial, so, you know, <laughs> I'll be on in no time. Because that, that, to be honest, that's the better fit. Like, they should be... If my, my main point is, by this time next year, they should be near the top or the tag team champions of the top promotions in Brit Res. If people don't get behind them, they're doing it wrong. Because these, these like... They, there's Tom Thelwell as well, who's uh, got a similar style mm-hmm. from the Northwest. The three of them together, to be honest, they should be everywhere by this time next year. Uh, and, you know, at the age they're at now, okay, yeah, maybe they're not going to take over the world yet. But as far as taking over the country, I wouldn't rule that out by next year. And, yeah, I've got to say, like, watching them, it did make me feel, oh, like, literally I am double the age of Ethan Allen, which is just, like, for me, that's just that's a horrible feeling. And just looking how talented he is out there now is just absolutely insane. Like, there was a point as well, they were on the Ambition show, and they, they wrestled each other. And uh, Yuki Ishikawa and Daisuke Ake, they wrestled each other as well. Like, if you put Allen and Jacobs together, they still wouldn't quite hit the age of either of those two wrestlers. <laughs> and it, we, went, we me and, uh, me and Al Cheap Shop were working this out. If you put them both together, we don't think, we're not 100%, you'd even hit the in-ring experience of Yuki Ishikawa. That's literally how long that guy's been wrestling and how young these two lads are. Like, the, the, the sky is the limit, but yeah, we should, we should probably also temper it with that age too. But I agree with you what you say. That they're working a lot of promotions at the moment where they should be at like at the top of the card. It makes sense for your for your titles, your breeds, um, your future shocks to go with them in those those kind of top positions I, as I, well. I think that puts too much pressure on them too. Well, early. like I it's such a small. Well, I know. I mean, near the top of the card, but it's yeah. also it's on such a small scale that you kind of want to build your that. Or, yeah, you want to build that up as a as an org organically and the way you do is those smaller cards building up to the bigger ones so i'd say like with a ref pro like why you wouldn't next time you're in sheffield like yeah, yeah. get them in you know you should be using them as well mm. a man who likes a beefy fucker flutter needs to get him in <laughs> get him in pcw you know he knows there's a tree of a bit of beef in a pcw so yeah go. get him in there as well bit of young beef yeah there you go that could work too so yeah hopefully we see more of them and yeah just to clarify you know matt richards did message me he was saying how did my lads do and i was just like well mate if you're not booking them now then you you're making a huge mistake but i think he knows of of the uh progress owners i don't think him being northwest he's the uh, the one that needs convincing uh but yeah i do think overall i think people need to take note the lads haven't even got proper cage match bios at this point like that's how young they are in the business at this point but i think they impressed everybody they saw that they were the two they're the two matches people were talking about that day from ambition them two against each other and ishikawa against the they're against each other and if you're getting talked in in circles with those two on an ambition show on a youtube style show on a on a battle arts type show then you're doing well um 
But yeah, you would have enjoyed that one too, JP. Like the the two old lads, 53 and 55, I think they are, running, yeah. running each, into each other and doing headbutts, beating the shit out of each other. I tell you what, you know, okay there, if he did anything this weekend, he earned that milkshake in McDonald's the day after. Uh, he, the, two, the two lads at their age going that hard, probably. I, I was going to say, I was a Jokoboshi. This is probably the hardest I've seen two wrestlers hit each other live. Uh, so that wow. says everything. That would have been, you know, that would have been a proper JP beefy fucker match. Uh, oh. In addition to how much you would have enjoyed uh, Black Taurus and uh, Jeff. Ishikawa was involved. a bit of a like saggy fucker though. Wasn't <laughs> yeah, big saggy <laughs> fucker is probably the better way of putting it. You wouldn't say it to his face. <laughs> <laughs> I could because he did probably not speak English. I was going to say, uh, like for the. Uh, tournament itself ambition tournament who won it it, it was our man uh, daniel mcabay um ah, yes. jamesy was... wasn't there to, he did it in an island top jp and oh, jamesy wasn't that. there to see it and you weren't there to see it i was sad about that i was guided about that because he was wearing various football shirts wasn't he over the mm. weekend uh, as well. he came out in his chelsea shirt again that didn't go down no well. <laughs> i honestly think it affected the weekend he got over don't get me wrong winning the tournament um, but at the same time, it's like ah, uh, you know, you probably probably want to babyface yourself to uh, the fans a little bit more there, Dan. I don't think there's a other than uh, our mate Mark Bulty, Bulty, there wasn't a, a huge amount of <laughs> of uh, Chelsea fans in the building that night. I, I was going to say for that, it's the one area because everything I've heard about him seems really good. Friend of the show, Mecca Shote, he um like he went to took him to see Leicester Villa. Then it was his first Premier League game when he came back did he? over. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Well, he, I think, yeah, he, he did. He took him over. So he went over to that. 4 0. It would have been a lively game. We're in some sort of nil nil shite. It's the Chelsea thing, is the one area I'm like, mm, like I'm not sure about this. But, you know, fair enough. He, he seems like he seems like he's an absolutely cracking bloke. Oh, and he's building his reputation the kind of right way with this. Because if he'd gone too far in, say, Carrot, it would have been a bit. It would have been too much too soon. It's ambition you know, is the right level. Ambition um, is the right level. Building up ambition is here for this. Is what it kind of should be doing. Is is showcasing yeah. that stuff on a little bit more. That's a bit more different as well. Um, the only weird thing is they they give him the ambition win, and then on the same day, had Marius Alani beat him in a nothing match on the uh, on the main on the main card on day two. Like that that made me scratch my head. Like I think Mac Macabe is the type of wrestler who the the German fans are gonna love over time, but that type of weird booking doesn't help. It it will take time for it, won't it? For for that to happen. Yeah, but like you say with that weird, yeah, it would have been one of the things about wanting to push their homegrown guys, but you mentioned about Jern Simmons earlier on in terms of it's that the people it's their guys in the middle of the card. Alani falls into that category perfectly, does he? He's never really broken anything close to really three and a half stars perhaps yeah that i would have seen over the years it's all been pretty much there even though he absolutely looks the part oh he's randy orton mate that's all he is he's randy yeah, orton he randy is. orton who can do moonsaults that's pretty much uh Maris Alani. but yeah uh, for a weekend i said i wasn't going to talk much about i probably got about an hour now so i'll wrap up <laughs> on the next w but i just want to say you know i did have a great weekend it, it, it's a lot of it's it's the people it's the experience for all we dump on it it's the place i do like going to Alberhausen. maybe it's just the fact that i really like aldi and netto um and i really hate centro and mcdonald's but i still had a great time out there there was enough great stuff over the weekend that made it worthwhile for me i think i'd go again depending on what's going on over these next couple of years obviously got yeah. our, our mate patrick is uh, not going to be involved anymore so it might make things more difficult from a from a media point of view 
uh, depending on what the you know what the the plans are uh, going forward for that, and yeah, depending on what happens in WXW over this next year, obviously keeping an eye on, you know how much the uh, the WWE influence continues to affect them. But no, I had a crack on weekend. We're maybe at the tail end of these great WXW weekends and us saying, oh, if you're British or Irish, you need to get out there and go and see them. But I do know a couple of people who went for the first time and did still have a great time. And and that wasn't just the people who got to dance with DJ Hard at the after party on Saturday night. Um, I got a great picture with him at TNT on Thursday. I was a big fan of that, uh, being in the same building as DJ Hard. But that was still a killer weekend, still glad I went. And yeah, and I wasn't insulted either, JP, by the probably about 18 different people came up to me. And, All right, Benno, great to see you. Where's JP? Uh, that's kind of a that's a lot to like so just to say JP you were very much missed as you were Joe uh, but I think people know that uh, if you were there you probably won't want to speak to them anyway (laughs) (laughs) that's very much both on brands for both of us (laughs) from what you've described of it it's still like you know in terms of going over there it's like you're not if you're not going to do a Wrestlemania and I hope you know people would really reconsider doing those sort of big mania if you're going to do a wrestling festival this is probably as, as close as you're really getting to it because OT, unless OTT start to do three-day sort of events and shows and doing sort of a big weekender for it, there is a gap for it, and this kind of perfectly fills it. I also want to say as well, from a production value, it looked like they had a live screen going on, doing um, sort of live for the match as well. So if you weren't mm. able to see, you had a, had a live screen going on as well. It's those little technological advances. Why do you think they need live streaming, JP? That's weird, isn't it? Why do you think they need live streaming going forward? What an odd thing. Well, yeah, exactly. Get a deal with fight. <laughs> Talking about the Mania Weekend style, though, there was a conversation, rumor, and conversation you guys had on BWE last week about a big WWE show coming over here. And uh, I'm going to say his name again Will Cooley <laughs> was adamant that, like, everyone would go who's sort of, you know, in, I suppose, whatever this circle is. for the AEW show. You know, he was talking about Craven Cottage oh. in the AW show, but then he mentioned like rumors of like SummerSlam coming over mm. again or something in like the Indies. And I wouldn't go if WWE did like show Wembley Stadium at this point. It was some old pay per view. I just wouldn't go. Like, can I just ask? Would you guys go? I, I was thinking. Sorry, go on. No, I would. I, I'm a. I was at the first ITV World of Sports at the first NXT UK. I like these historic ones, Joe. I think I think I'd go just for what it was rather than what they were offering. Ah, at this point, though, I just think WWE pay-per-view is an absolute shite. When was the last good one? you got a seven-hour slog on your hands. you got to sit in a soulless Wembley Stadium, which is a bitch of a stadium, if you ask me. I hate the place. And ah, I just wouldn't go. I'd be up for, like, I don't know, a couple of Rev Pro shows at Yorkle, and I'm sure the Res Gal would be booked out for the weekend as well, and a couple of cockpits or whatever, mm. and... Whoever else is running. You might get a Progress Attitude Theater show like they're doing a super strong style show. Ah, fuck that. I'll, no <laughs> in- <laughs> well, Attitude Era. Haven't WWE kind of been doing a tribute to the Attitude Era because it's kind of a hangover from the Attitude Era for the like last 20 years? It's anyway. just that, like, it, you're just describing ICW, really, at the end of the day. That's what ICW's product yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. But no, I just don't think I would actually go to a big WWE show at this I, point in time. I had to think about it when I was listening to BWE, yeah. and I thought... A, it depends on the location, the card, the other kind of stuff around it as well. But my natural inclination was not to want to go. Yeah. That's what it was. And I was going to say, yeah, from here, Benno, getting to Wembley is easy. And on the day, you'd be able to get trains pretty much from here that would go to Wembley as well. But yeah, I don't know if I would And I don't think I'd regret it. Think how bad WWE pay-per-views are. Mm. Even if you've got a big Daniel Bryan match, I'd be like, well, I've seen plenty of them before. A big AEW show at Craven Cottage, though. Oh, I'm, I'm there. there. 
I've I've been to Craven Cottage a couple of times. Like last time I was there, I was there with my dad. Republic of Ireland versus Colombia. Colombia dominated throughout. Ireland won with a deflected Robbie Keane goal. Wes Houlihan made his debut that night as well, <laughs> which is as which I thought well effectively I've made my Ireland debut here tonight, even though it wasn't the first Ireland game I was at. But like. Yeah, a fluky 1-0 victory. Like that ground, in the middle of this like, real residential area, sat on the river. Looks like a bit of a sheep from the outside. I was also there for a Liverpool game when they were playing Fulham with my mate Andy. Emil, Hes- Emil Heskey scored twice. It was, like, <laughs> first, first 15 minutes, it, it really wasn't Andy exciting. Andy Howie. Yep, that's the one. Church after? No, no. In fact, afterwards, it was Arsenal-Newcastle where Burkamp did that flick oh, round Dabby's ass. Yeah, Amazing goal. That Watched well. that a pub in Hammersmith. Yeah. Oof, that's uh, a good day, mate. Cracking. I reckon you'd be a big Emil Heskey fan, JP. Big, speaking of big, beefy fuckers, like, as far as Premier League footballers go, they don't come bigger and beefier. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He could have... It would have been interesting if Emil had turned his hand to wrestling. I don't think he necessarily... <laughs> he didn't seem like the kind of personality you'd be able to cut a promo and stuff it's, like that. Sounds like those are the days where you did, you did like proper stuff on your weekends, though, rather than doing the shite that you wasted your weekend doing this weekend. <laughs> yeah? That's, that's, that's a good thing. Oh, yeah, while I was in Germany, JP, what were you What were you watching? What were you up to uh, this weekend? Well, I was ill. I said I was going to watch it. I ended up dedicating more time to this than what I should do, which is really angered... Joe. It hasn't angered me. It's well, certainly <laughs> disappointment, I'm sensing. Okay. Very well, much. Come back. Very much for this. So I watched, uh, and I said I'd have a look at it, Qatari Pro Wrestling, QPW. <laughs> uh, very much, yeah. The the little young upstart, you know, daring to dream big in the Middle East. What is it? The little... You're trying to quote Richard I Williams, am there. The, the mighty atom that dared to dream. Well, it's very much, you know, they've got the, the horrible big brother in Saudi Arabia. WWE doing shows there, so they've they've set up as as the Rebel Alliance. Not quite. Just I I considered so it was QPW Super Slam Two from Doha, from a quite big arena that looked. They were saying five thousand. It didn't look like five thousand. I say that fucking much for it. Absolutely wild card there. I if you're going to sum it up, it's in terms of quality and overall, it's like a very slight, a slightly less problematic version of Super Showdown and the Saudi shows. Basically, it's problematic, but it's like it's Doha, it's not Riyadh, it's not Saudi Arabia. Um, it was an awful show. I'll summarise it for this. <laughs> it started off, and I mentioned this before, Eric Bischoff being introduced as the general manager for the night. Amazing. Came out, looked lashed, um, slapping <laughs> hands of these Qatari kids. Did he come up to, I'm there. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, he did. Right, they so. didn't give a fuck about music rights on this show okay. for the most part. Um, he came out, slapping hands of Qatari kids, ran round the ring. Went inside, started talking about like his successes with WCW and working with Turner, which clearly these eight-year-old Qatari kids were fucking bang into. That was why they were there, after all. Um, then Nash comes out. There was production issues with, you know, the, the stream had broken down and various things. The sound stuff, they wouldn't stop playing Kevin Nash's music. But NWO it was, music? It wasn't the NWO oh, music. Shit. They kind of picked and choose the stuff that they liked. Of course. Um, he came out. He was just laughing. I'm assuming he, he'd done a few shandies as well before he'd walked out there. Red wine, man. He, well, he really is. He was, he was on it. Always good value, Nash. 
kind of brought it back to the show. Said he liked being out in Doha. He didn't have to do anything, so I'm guessing he had a lush time out there for the, however long he was out there for. Started off first match, Brian Pillman Jr. versus Enzo. Oh, wow. With Steve Linsky as ref. <laughs> so you're there going, right, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> How do you both reckon it was? Uh, four stars on Grapple. No. Like, if anything, most stuff here really wasn't pushing to. That's the kind of level it was. This is one of the, and it says a lot about this, from an in-ring perspective, possibly one of the highlights of this show, which says about the level of this show. Like, at fucking awful. The fonts, when they come out, you couldn't read the fonts. It was so small. <laughs> it was like they were taking the piss or trolling, you know, trolling people watching it. That was absolute shite for it. It was less than 10 minutes. That's the positive to really take from it. They had a bit in the middle of it where they started having a boxing match. Amazing. Rubbish. Then, (laughs) guy backstage, uh, interviewer, guy called Joe Dabrowski, who was... Stop. He was... He was... That's his name, Joe Dabrowski. And he he looked a bit of a state, but he... (laughs) He was interviewing Mark Henry, who looked very happy about being there. He'd kind of done his what well, he was all right, this Joe Dabrowski fellow, to, to give him his to give him his credit. Enjoying saying that, aren't I you? really <laughs> am. Um he asked Mark Henry who's gonna win the main event, so he was predicting R V D, did the thumb thumb thing as well. He, just, he was on a jolly for the weekend and loving it. He actually was it was one again, one of the highlights of the show was this backstage interview. This saying Mark Henry was on a jolly. Yeah. Do you reckon he took any um, Qatari with him to Nando's that weekend? I don't. <laughs> he once took my mate's uh, mum's mate to Nando's in the ball ring on a date when the oh. guys were over. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He had two old chickens, apparently, while he was sat there. She didn't like it and said he was boring. So that was it. They were at some exclusive bar that she was a barmaid at. And, yeah, that happened. And then, oh, she got my mate... Um, VIP tickets to a show, not at the NEC, at one of the other arenas in Birmingham, maybe like the LG or something. Oh, yeah. And uh, my mate said that he was on the WWE Divas website, and look at who the like, fit Divas were at that point, and thinking who he was going to try and have a chat with. As a 17-year-old, that was clearly going to pay off for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they got there late, and she was trying to ring Mark That's Henry. just what Trish Stratus was looking for that time of her life. Absolutely. And yeah. I, think Mark Hen- I think Mark Henry realised she wasn't that interested. So he didn't come to the front of the arena and let him in. So they got all the way to the arena and got rejected, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but she got a free Nando's out of Mark Henry. She did. <laughs> anyway, sorry. There we go. <laughs> no, fair enough. That's uh, It's arguably, again, possibly what you've just said is one of the highlights of this show, kind of linked to this show. Did the he wrestle tag... Mark Henry? Oh, no, he didn't. No, he came out at the, at the end. He was um, He was commentating. In uh, for the main event, I bet that was awful. He came out at the end. He was just like swamped by these bloody Qatari kids who jumped the rail. So there was security there as well. They were trying to put like a hat on him as well at the same time. He looked somewhat bemused. Got a big bounces. Like these are little kids as well. Like the beefy fuckers as well in Qatar. Then oh, this show honestly should have like been. They should have had a beefiest fucker contest. (laughs) All it was just honestly a PCW show. Yeah, it was a- like a PCW show gone wrong. <laughs> like, it really was. A lot of it felt like, it felt like you're watching, like, an, an international film 
with a cast of actors who you know from a variety of things. And you go, ah, this is a wild cast, this. And you start watching it going, this is shit, isn't it? What's going on? How did these people end up doing it? Like, like there's loads of that kind of stuff, you know. I'm trying to think of a film comparison. I'm thinking of, like, there were some later Vim Vendors films which would have these great casts and it'd be absolute fucking cack. And it'd be from all over the world. Social Club. Yeah, or the one that with Mel Gibson where he's growing another hand out of his back. The Million Dollar Hotel. Oh, I've never seen that. Yeah, I, I, Bono wrote I like it. a bit of Invenders. Oh, that would have been after the old yeah. um, U2 team-up on the Wings of Desire. Exactly. It's all that, post that, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Vim Vendors. How do we get on with that? Anyway, <laughs> Vim Vendors to Qatari Pro Wrestling. Paris, we'll get there in Paris, the end. Texas. What a film. They had, they had a tag match. It was Johnny and Jody, which was, like, great. It was Chris Masters and Carlito. Um <laughs> And it was, do you remember this guy from TNA, Apollo? LAX, big baby. Rican, uh, big Puerto Rican bloke, shit. Always been shit. He was there early days, TNA. Well, he was shit in this as well, except he's a bit bigger and his son's wrestling with him. His son can do a bit of flippy stuff. What's his son called? Uh, Apollo Jr. Doesn't look <laughs> anything like him. I was almost questioning him, like, is this his son? Like, Apollo, yeah. He, he looked like he's eating a beefy fucker in that time, honestly. It's, Use that phrase a lot now. Um, that and Will Cooling seem to uh, be the themes of this episode. It, in the end, well, and it had Animal from the Road Warriors came out, and um, the uh, he and Carlito and Chris Masters won. It was shite. Not enough really Johnny and did Jody. Watch this show. A I lot did. I'm going into more detail. Than I oh, keep going. It's great stuff. Oh, it really isn't. Like I watch this stuff because so you two just never have to with it. Uh, <laughs> But they no, kept on no in during this show, right? I've written on my notes here. Commentators kept talking about how they're excited were for the World Cup and how great it is in Qatar. And I said, ask the poor fuckers who built the stadiums. <laughs> throw, throw that in there as well. Two and a half years, yeah, more than that. December twenty twenty two, isn't it? That November? was yeah. Well, after Carlitos and Masters won, they Animal came out. They basically they didn't say exactly these words. Basically, told him to fuck off because he's old, and then. They, uh, Animal sort of shoved him out of the ring. He didn't even really attack him because he could barely move. It was awful. The Qatari kids were lapping it up, though, loving every fucking second of it. Um, As we smarting do. those kids up. Yeah, that's what they need. Um, this next bit was <laughs> kind of incredible. There was a common... How common... long have we gone? <laughs> Sorry, I'm nearly... He's the match of Joe's face. <laughs> I am. He's not happy about this. QPR. Like, I know. That sounds like it's Sorry. badly run as QPR. Sorry. It's Tony Fernandez. He, he wouldn't have done a worse QPR job than this. Owner. The colour commentator Kovac, who's a crappy European wrestler, came out. Nico Kovac. Uh, it, what? He used to play for Bayern Munich. And Croatia. And Croatia, yeah. He managed Bayern. Managed Bayern, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he went to him. He was, he was doing like, he came into the ring and he came out and his first line was, hello, sand people. Jesus. Yeah. Oh my then God. he introduced great Carly, who came out to a like a fucking so mentioned the Road Warriors. A Road Warrior pop. He very slowly walked out to the ring too. It was a sustained pop as well. He he attacked him. It was absolutely awful. There was a ladder match. The Caprice Coleman one. That was passable, but a bad ladder match. I've just found like, the cage but, match. Dos Caras is in there. Yeah, Harry he Smith. was. Well, the brother was on there, wasn't he? Oh, was that Del Rio's brother? Yeah. I was going to say, I thought that was Del Rio. One of the best wrestlers I've ever seen wrestling. What culture pro wrestling? He was 
Oh, wasn't that against like Phoenix or something? Yeah, he looked a state in what? this. He's gotten bigger in the meantime. Was it Phoenix he was facing? Yeah. Back? Nah, it can't have been. Was it? I'll have to look that up because it was the worst Phoenix match I've ever seen. It let, me was... look, let me look that up while you count. Yeah, on. who else was in that ladder match? I forget now. Uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. Muertes, PJ Black and Tristan Archer. What a, what a six-way. <laughs> he was. King of Ladders, it's called. QPW King of Ladders match. Oh, everything was for a fucking title or something like the King of Ladders. Caprice Coleman's won the last two, apparently, according to the commentators for this. Then there was meant to be Michael Elgin versus Brian Cage, but Brian Cage was injured. They'd done a thing where they said he was attacked on the way there. Eddie Edwards came out. They had a match. Obviously, it was very much sort of by the numbers. It was the best thing on the show by a distance and for these two they can wrestle a hell of a lot better than this but you know what they didn't have to so what that it wouldn't have made any difference if they'd started killing themselves with it um eddie edwards is the kind of comedy heel for this bit brian cage came out michael elgin is now the new middle eastern champion that's something to put on the cv um for this as well there's then mark henry came out we went to the main alberto del rio chris raba bambi killer who's like his big mate in Austria. Remember he went on the tear with the brother in Austria, Alberto. Oh so yeah, is that him? They had a fight in like the prison cell or something like that, didn't he? Well, it was, his, it was this fellow bringing him over, big mates with him for whatever reason. RVD was there to his TNA theme music. So like that got a bit of a he pop from a, it. He must have gone like cold turkey for a few days. <laughs> I think he did. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. No yeah. card inside. I was going to say, good luck trying to find any green out there. And a guy called Alofus and a big Samoan bloke. He was there. He won the title. To tell you what they thought of this main event, Alberto Del Rio had his T-shirt on throughout it, and so did Chris Raba. And his manager distracted RVD, and he did a Samoan drop. And then he had a kind of brief little altercation with Mark Henry. And that is the end of QPW Super Slam 2. <laughs> Can I just ask? Yeah. Are you all right? <laughs> I didn't know if I was at the time. It was almost like an endurance contest. Look, I've, I've got to see what happens you with spend this. Your week and you play it down. At work today, you tell me you watched half an hour. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, that's not true. <laughs> you spent your weekend watching Qatari Pro Wrestling and Guzzling Ovaltine. Like, Sounds great. Is everything all right? <laughs> it's fine. Again, it's not a cry for help watching this show. It really isn't. For it. But it was, yeah, you two never watch it. JP, but you could have been in Germany with me watching Shigeru Eerie and Black Taurus have a big beefy fuckers match. Instead, mm. this is what you were watching. I'm sorry. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, there was a part of me thinking like, what what have I watched here for this? It's kind of, it's not exactly seared into the brain, but yeah. Uh, QPW, I wouldn't bother watching them at the end. <laughs> I was just looking at their cage match, their previous show. The card is Big Mad, Big Mad beat Khan and Shabab. Tito Hayton beat 1D. Rage beat Classy Ali. And the main event, Jody Fleisch beats Johnny Storm. I don't understand this. <laughs> that That's their academy shows. I did read an article on what is Qatari pro wrestling Go as on. well. Fill us in. Go on. Well, the history of it, and they talk about them working these shows. Here's the article on it. An introduction to QPW. Who wrote this? A guy called who lives out there called Tom Walton, who's kind of clearly a big wrestling fan. Oh, okay. 
It's not like he was buzzing or anything That's about Steve Linsky reffing again. He's what he's got. He's going to do. He is. He? Somebody yeah, had yeah. said that to me. Somebody had messaged me that on Twitter and said that to be the case that, that he's heavily involved. Also, Tom Greenwood. He was the other ref who was there for oh, that yeah. as well. I reckon that ring that didn't turn up to that indie show in like, what was it, 2002? I reckon he sent over the guitar. <laughs> that no ring he did. <laughs> playing the long game. Yeah. <laughs> the rise of Doha as a major city yeah. and an economic hub in the Middle East and said, right, fuck it, we're there. I reckon you could do like a guitar remake of the French Connection that's based around a wrestling ring rather than a heroin... Uh, <laughs> he could do, could uh, you? Yeah, yeah, importation. I reckon decent film there, Steve Linsky it's... in the main role. <laughs> that's hard the fun is watching that is seeing Jody and Johnny out there going like oh, well, do you know they're only good coin fair play to them and trip to Doha exactly fuck <laughs> me, I know fuck me so, better than the Saudi show though JP it sounds it was better than the Saudi show by and then by the Saudi show, I didn't watch it but it sounded horrific the grapple ratings are quite incredible I don't know if anything hits two stars Two and a half stars on that show. It well, sounds Gareth so awful. Gareth have to get QPW on there or QPR. <laughs> I, I would say, Gareth, don't rush. You don't need to. Let's let's see how, how this develops. I can't see QPW turning into the work rate promotion of the Middle what East. What about if they listen to this and they're like, ah, oh, good review, and they want us to go over there to do some press for them? Would I'm you, game. Would you go to Qatar? Oh, that's an interesting one. Would you? You could say Richard Keys for the evening. <laughs> oh... Oh, I don't would. ask me I these would, things. because Richard Keyes fascinates me. There's a... Because he's like the living embodiment of Alan Parsons. To see this backstage, to see what them lot would have been like afterwards. It would have been like you, Ben, out for love of wrestling when you were in that bar after. <laughs> like you and RVD would have struggled. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a problem. It would be. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Well, thanks I, for that, JP. I spent my right. weekend watching some much better stuff. Um... I had a cracking weekend where I was, you know, that AEW tag title match has been on my mind a little while. Uh, I was thinking, is this the best tag match I've ever seen? And Meltzer was saying it was as well. So I thought, I'm going to rewatch some of my favourite tag matches. I didn't get around to watching all of them because mm. I watched that Fantastics Midnight Express one mm. that he was raving about. And it was excellent. But it was very different. It's on the network, I assume. No, it's not. It was on Daily oh. Motion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was on an episode of like Pro from 1988, possibly, I want to say. It was the Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton, Midnight Express. I reckon it must have been at least Gordon 80, Soli called 88, 89. No, it was uh, Shivani and someone else who I can't recall. No. Um, but it was, it was really good. But it was mm. like old school Southern style tag match. Great heat, crowd, like rabid throughout it. Like, really easy to play off the crowd. But supreme match. Like, really well put together. Really well constructed. You realise how good Bobby Eaton is whenever you watch him back. Really great match. And then I thought, right, I'm going to watch some All Japan. And I ended up watching quite a fucking bit of All Japan. I was like, oh, <laughs> I love this shit. And I just got stuck down an All Japan rabbit hole weekend. I tell you what, New Japan should cancel for the next couple of months so I can just carry on with this All Japan nostalgia trip I'm on. Like, I can't say well, I'm watching this stuff of the 90s. So it's not nostalgia from the 90s. It's nostalgia from about 10-ish years ago when I was watching all of this stuff. And fuck me. Some of the stuff I was watching was just amazing. I just watched binge tag matches. So, yeah, I, Saturday and then Sunday, I had to go and pick my mate up from the hospital in the early hours because he had a fucking awful accident of football. And I was very worried about him. So to pass the time, uh, 
I was uh, <laughs> taking my mind off this horrific injury uh, that he suffered that really was playing on my mind. And I was hoping he was all right by watching the big boss man kick some fucking ass during his All Japan <laughs> run in 1993. I tell you, have you ever seen Boss Man in All Japan? I've never no. seen it. He is fucking awesome. Is he? He's a different wrestler. He is legit good. He's intense. His movement and the pace of his movement mm. at times, fucking amazing. He's smooth. All of his spots look good. Him and Steve Williams, the team against Masao and Kabashi. And then I watch Boss Man and Stan Hansen against Masao and Kabashi. Jeez. That does not it sound was... real. Fucking hell. Mate, it was fucking awesome. Do you know what he's wearing? I was going to ask that. What is he wearing? Is he wearing the old outfit? He's wearing the Cobb County, Georgia, correct, <laughs> whatever yeah. outfit. Oh, and it's just weird in an all Japan ring, especially when he's next to Stan Hansen. So you've got Masawa lumping him while he's wearing that. Oh, <laughs> he is legit good in all Japan. Yeah. Like, Watch some of this run. There's some really good stuff out there. There's a great six-man sprint that he's in. That oh, I'm trying to think about. I think Hanson's in there. I think Johnny Ace might be in there as well. Fucking good stuff. Like, really good. Well, really. I mean, there isn't New Japan have announced that they've, they've had. They're basically not running any shows for all of March yeah. at this point. So it's going to be April. So weirdly enough, this is probably the the perfect month in terms of catching up on sort of. Some some classic Japanese wrestlers. You were reeling back, mate. Reeling back, yeah. Rolling back the years. <laughs> yeah. This one. Yeah, but, yeah. I was going to quote simply Red, but that's holding back the years. It, it is, yeah. isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Mick Hucknall, big fan, are you? <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> Apart from when he ends up at that episode of the Christmas Alan Partridge one at the end. Oh yeah, singing. Ding Dong Merrily and Hart. <laughs> there yeah, is. with the Rover. There is. The Vitesse fastback. Anyway, go back. <laughs> The all Japan. So the boss man stuff got me through that. Uh, I, I ended up going back to the Osama at 2 bloody a.m. to pick my mate up. And luckily he was all right. And it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But the boss oh, man going during that time. But honestly, some of these tag matches from that era are insane. Like the Can-Ams, uh, the Crowfer and uh, Furnace, I think are the most underrated tag team possibly ever. You rarely hear them spoken about outside of that Kabashi and Kikuchi match. Some of the stuff I was watching from Tag Leagues from like 92, 91, great stuff in there. Like really, really great stuff. Like technically proficient. Everything looks good. Like when I watch this stuff back, I think this is my absolute favorite style of wrestling because it's physical. The guys look legit hard. It looks like they're having a fucking fight. It looks like they're having a ruck. And the booking is so good as well. Mm. Like the match I wanted to watch or the matches I wanted to watch really were the Kawada Tawai versus Kabashi Misawa matches, and there are eight of them. Um, but there were two in particular that I wanted to watch to sort of reassess, let's say. Meltzer was raving about the one in 95, but I always loved the one in 93. Have either of you seen it? Can't no. remember seeing it any time recently, at least. Oh, so it's, the, it's the last night of a tag league in 93. Right. And Honestly, right? So that was the one that has always been my favourite, I think, just ahead of a 95. But I think the 95 one, I think it's June 95, is better in hindsight. Problem is with a lot of these matches, I said to JP earlier, because the shows that have names, mm. you have dates and they repeat matches and the arenas kind of look the same. Right. Yeah, the whole production and presentation. Is... So I was saying to JP, like Sting Vader... I could tell you where all of their matches were in the early 90s, like what show it was on, mm. almost a date and stuff as well because of the look of the arena. But these, you know, you struggle a little bit. But that 93 one, honestly, I reckon, honestly reckon that the Young Bucks, Page and Omega 
watch that when they were planning this match out because so much of the match, it's half an hour or just around half an hour in length, right? And so much of the match feels so similar in terms of structure. Now, the style is completely different in terms of it's more strike-based. It's more about like big, heavy moves. It's more physical as well. It's more like gruff and manly in many ways. But in terms of the structure and in terms of a dynamic of the match, it feels so similar. Like you've got Misawa and Kabashi, but you've got Kawada and Tawe on the other side of the ring, right? Tawe, for me, is the spare man, but he plays his role well. Oh, yeah, yeah. He does a decent job in there as well. But you've got Kabashi, who feels like he's in the Adam Page role, because mm. this is Kabashi, what, like three, four years in, I think, on the come-up still, and they're trying to get him over. And I love babyface Kabashi. I love underdog, charismatic Kabashi during that era, especially as he grows as a wrestler. It's just a joy to watch and to mm. watch his spirit. Just his pure kind of character, his facial expressions, his struggle, and the way the crowd get behind him. All that stuff about Japanese crowds being quiet, just utter oh. box. Watch this stuff. The emotion is just so, like, uh, like pure and just there throughout the match. And Kabashi is essentially in that Adam Page role where they're trying to get Kabashi over throughout the match and they want him to kind of stand out at the end of it and get this big, big win at the end of it. It's all about getting Kabashi over at the end of it. It's not about the Masawa Kawada feud. It's all, Kabashi's the focus of this. And he wins the match and gets this big win. I think he pins Kawada at the end. So he pins someone who's like the fucking guy as well. And it's just this joyous reaction, great reception. But they've got this guy over. It's what he was over anyway. They've got him over even further as this like legit guy on the come up in the build here. And you're thinking, this is just such logical booking in a tag match. When you've got this guy you want to make, and it made me realise how valuable tag team wrestling is mm. when you when you use it in a way to further guys who are going to be the guys in your promotion. And that's exactly what it feels like AEW would do it. And it makes me so happy because I love tag team wrestling. But then it got me thinking about how New Japan, I think, have just wasted that tag division for years. And there's so much they can do. Like When I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, Misawa and Kabashi. Kabashi feels to me, this is a weird comparison, he feels to me like he's Osprey in all Japan. He's in that sort of Osprey role. Mm. So you think about Kawada and Misawa, right? They had a few years. Like you got Kawada and the old Footloose tag team, which I do love, by the way. You got Misawa as Tiger Mask too. So at this point, they've been in sort of what eight, nine years, nineteen ninety-three. You're talking, right? Kabashi's got what four, right? Mm. Think about say some of the New Japan guys with a bit of tenure, right? And where Osprey is in terms of how long he's been wrestling compared to, say, the Tanahashis. I know Akai's been wrestling a few more years at him as well. Some Naito. Of them, yeah, yeah, Suzuki, throw him yeah. there. Some of the more established guys there, right? And in terms of playing this underdog, who's getting over ever so gradually, and who they're getting over gradually, time after time, you know he's going to get to that kind of top of the mountain. Or he's going to make it. He's going to get his big win. Kabashi feels exactly like that, but the push feels completely organic. He can hang with these guys. He's as good as these guys, but the character, the tenure, mm. is still being built. So they're still building him as a legit guy. His pin over Kawada in this match to me feels like Osprey's over Tanahashi. Mm. But it got me thinking as well. New Japan needs a value of that tag division. Mm. Imagine Osprey and Okada as a tag team. Yeah. Okada in the Masawa role, 
Osprey in that Kabashi role. Mm-hmm. Imagine the gradual build you can do. And you think of those Kabashi Masao matches. That series is one of the best series of matches in wrestling history, if you ask me. Imagine what you could do <laughs> if you had a team in and then you got to that point where they're wrestling for the IWGP title. I just think that gradual build of Osprey via a tag team with Okada would have added this extra layer to what they're doing with the guys as well. Imagine a bit of time where Okada's out of the title scene where instead of feuding with Taichi, him and Osprey are having a go at the tag titles. Imagine them against mm. Ibushi and Tanahashi. Mm. Imagine some of the other teams you have. Put Zack and Suzuki together. Let them fucking go for it. Imagine those two ripping Osprey apart in these matches. It feels like it's such a missed opportunity for New Japan. I wondered whether or not this was the year they're going to actually do something with the tags. Really because the Ibushi so. Tanahashi felt like the start of it. Obviously, there's things are very much up in the air with this as well. But it feels like they've done the job of rebuilding the junior division. And they've done a really good job of rebuilding that junior division. The fact they've got Shingo in the kind of never area as well. Yeah, I was thinking Shingo and Naito as a team. Yeah. Step in as well. Yeah, I, I think what you want to do for those tag league, like to make it mean something is like you need to use these. And then... What it will do is it will mean, I mean, and the Gorillas of Destiny work better when they're up, you know, when they're in there, obviously, with better people as well. So you're going to get more out of your kind of regular tag teams as much as anything else. And I've said it before, they need those belts to headline. They need those belts to headline smaller shows. This is the easiest way to sell them out. Do you know what I've thought before? And it wouldn't work this year because of bloody coronavirus. But I've always thought to myself, mm. get rid of the New Japan Cup, right, and put Tag League where the New Japan Cup is, right? Yeah. And make Tag League really valuable. Yeah. Make those tag belts really mean something. And almost do like the tag team version of a G1, which is what mm-hmm. all Japan's real-world tag league used to feel like, if anything. And it feels to me like they're missing such an opportunity for a bit of variety and also extra ways and layers to tell stories. Rather than getting just Evil and Sonada and Gorillas of Destiny shite constantly, it feels like it could be a platform in an area to really get teams over that little bit more who are going to go into singles at some point. But you can also take breaks from being in that singles division by coming into that tag yeah. room for a bit and using that to get storylines. These people back in from yeah. breaks and injuries. Yeah, mean in between guys over a little bit more as well. And there's such potential for teams. I was thinking even like a John Moxley and Juice Robinson team. Get rid of Dave Finley. I don't think he's much copies, all right, but... What a team that would be as well. A couple of fucking badass brawlers. Juice Robinson, new layer to him. Like, logically, you could make it make sense from their feud as well. Like, mm. There's just so much you could do with that tag division. And it just feels, for me, Ghetto is the greatest booker in sort of my time watching wrestling. Yeah. In terms of consistency and in terms of how he's just managed to carry on doing this at such a high level. The one real black mark against him for me is how he's booked tag wrestling over the years because it's never been good. It's never been good. Like, you think about the amount of times we had to watch um, Lance Archer and Davey Boy Swift face a, you know, a past it Tenzan and a still very good Kojima. I must have seen that match 20 times, I reckon. No exaggeration. Yeah, it just feels like they're missing an opportunity here. And watching these tag matches over the weekend just spelled out to me. I watched a good few uh, uh, sort of real-world tag league main events Williams and Gordy, Miracle Violence Connection, absolutely tearing up. I also got very excited when uh, Johnny Ace and Steve Williams came out <laughs> to the Miracle <laughs> Connection music. Johnny Ace, level below. Not, yeah. not at a level. I always thought it, but it confirmed it again for me. Uh, but yeah, just uh, just some fucking brilliant stuff I watched over the weekend. Like, listen to me talking about this. I'm absolutely buzzing 
yeah, yeah. talking about this stuff. I was talking about this when I was talking about that tag match in AEW the other week. How often do you hear me talking like this when I'm talking about wrestling? <laughs> it's, it's I'm talking to some disillusioned guy who's thinking, oh, I've got to watch this fucking British indie tripe again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't make you watch like... progress anymore, Joe. So you, we're free just in time to do this. Say it again. We don't make you watch progress anymore. We're, we're nice on you know. I much appreciate that, Ben. <laughs> I won't ever be watching progress, ever. <laughs> well, that's, um, the, that's the thing, though, isn't it? Because we're all like, never mind progress. We're all trying so hard to keep up with like current stuff. That you don't get the chance, do you? That often to go back, like most of my mates that spend, like you know, Gary uh, will spend a lot of time watching classical Japan stuff. They'll be going back and forth about it, and it's just there's so much to keep up with with modern wrestling that it's unless, like you say, the uh, the coronavirus does give us a month off. Like, when do you get the time to go revisit this stuff mm-hmm. and do a deep dive? I'm so glad I did it, and it probably would. It probably was because New Japan Cup yeah. wasn't on, so there wasn't that to watch. Mm. But I don't know because of this. Because of that AEW tag match, it just put me on this big tag boom. Mm. And like, I, I, you know what? I watched the '95 tag match I mentioned as well. And the '95, I came out thinking, I think it might be slightly better than the '93. The selling, the storytelling, the layers, the Masawa Kawada feud, the mm. dynamic between the two of them, the way that they're targeting one another, especially Kawada targeting Masawa. The end of the match with Kawada getting the big pin on Masawa. There's just so much in that match. There's just it's so layered. The leg work as well. The Kabashi selling the emotion. It's on a different plane. Where did you like, fall? Uh, Are you Meltzer? Or do you think this? Hey, I, I think the AEW is my favourite tag match ever. Honestly, I, I didn't think it was gonna be, and I came out of it thinking, hmm. I think I was on more of a high after watching that. Hmm. And it might be because I watched these matches in like. 2010, 12, yeah. something like that. I can't really remember the year I watched a bit and loved them at the time. But the AEW match, I've been with those wrestlers for the last, what, seven years, something like that, maybe more. I can't really remember. Um, so the story and the kind of layers within the story and the meaning, I've kind of been there throughout. So I think it means that little bit more and I'm that little bit more invested because. I'm following along and it's current. So mm. I think there's a you know that recency bias and the fact that I'm watching it currently. And I did love that match and I love tag team wrestling, as you can tell. And I think it's been bastardized by so many companies and underappreciated mm. over the years. And it's just great to see AEW and my good man Tony Khan <laughs> actually showing some respect for tag team wrestling and actually going with it. But yeah, I'll tell you what, this this weekend I had a you know, JP was watching that utter trial. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was watching, I was watching some proper stuff, some pristine mm. stuff. But can they do it on a swarmy Tuesday in Qatar? That's the real question. <laughs> I don't know if they, they would have been able to. Uh, yeah. Been, <laughs> I think Car- they're not Carlito and Chris Masters. I, I, it would have been funny seeing Masawa and Look, Kabashi did it in Coventry. Yeah. And half that NXT roster probably can't put it off in Coventry because the crowd's so bloody dead and the brand's so cold. Anyway, uh, I can't lovely believe... way to bring it back. To, a lovely way to get me down yeah. and bring it back to shite. <laughs> I just, I just can't believe you watched this, Joe, and you didn't watch Elimination Chamber instead. Like, what, what are you see a weekend? Woke up, didn't even know it happened. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you know what? I only watched one match: Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak, and I watched it Same. on the plane home, and I gave it four stars. But you know that that was just purely because it was the least WWE match I've ever seen. Do you watch it as well, JP? I did. I thought I haven't given it a rating yet because I thought the match itself was really good, but I thought the crowd was dead. 
Did you think I thought they were into it when Brian made his comeback and stuff at the end? No? I, they did, but I kind of thought, I don't know, I was just like expecting more of a reaction to what I saw from it. I, I don't know, I just didn't I didn't get it for that, but I did enjoy it. It's the style, thought, isn't it? It's, it's it like was, Maccabee and Thatcher and that kind of like grappling style isn't always yeah. going to lend itself, is it? And it was brutal. And, but I, I was saying to Joe earlier on, I enjoyed the storyline going into it. It was a nice, simple storyline. Mm. which worked with the idea of Gulak kind of, and it, you know, most WWE storylines just going one ear and out the other. But this one, it was like Gulak has idolized him, watched all of these, realized what his weaknesses is, has been giving people other hints for it. Mm. And Brian's challenged into a match. And it's like, it's very simple built around wrestling and it works. And Gulak would have got something from it as well. So yeah, I enjoyed that. And then just went, the other stuff, I was like, I can't be asked. Oh, I just turned it off. I, I, I'd heard yeah. that the what was the second match? The uh, oh, who was it? It was the other one that was like highly rated by people. I'm just trying to get the uh, the grapple ratings up now. It was uh, oh, was it the Umberto. Andrade match? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, even then, it's just like, how can I? Yeah. How can I invest myself in? I'm not. I'll I'll tune in when you know I go on Grapple and I see that. Oh yeah, you know this this actual WWE match on a WWE show has somehow got you know when I, it was just under four stars, three point nine six. Um, and I'll go and what got me away and watch it. But I, I had a, like a a genuinely and this isn't even a plug. I had a general case case research at Grapple. I was like, okay, Andrade Humberto did just over did three point three stars. Maybe that's not as good as everyone's saying. I looked at the. The rest of the matches on it, I don't think there was anything that, that got barely past three. AJ Alistair Black, imagine that. AJ Styles versus Tommy mm-hmm. Ender, a WWE show, doing less than three stars. And I was like, no, I'm quite happy just watching the opener. I definitely don't need, need to see the main event. 2.39 average uh, on Grapple for that uh, Women's Elimination Chamber. I'll just stick with my opener. I'll enjoy my Daniel Bryan doing a work rate match. And I'll just hope that maybe they do a bit more of this. And It's the type of match that, that'll turn up on like a, a comp in 10 years on, De- on Death Valley Drivers board going oh remember that time Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak had a randomly actually really good match on a WWE pay-per-view that's the type of stuff you tune in for not the not the rest of the week-to-week garbage you mentioned a Death Valley driver that brings me on to the point just to say thank you to the ditch don't know if he's alive but I was using the ditch which is a fantastic resource not <laughs> oh wow, yeah I remember that yeah download uh, all the all Japan some great write-ups of the matches on there top bloke for giving so much to uh to that resource over the years a bloke that I'm genuinely, you know, thankful towards. Just to say, Benno, um, on the subject of WWE, you'd be willing to travel to London and pay your well-earned money to watch that shite in a stadium, would you? Not moments, mate. I'll be there for the moment. <laughs> moments. Here we mm. go. Yeah. Can open worms. <laughs> would you? Oh, you know what we didn't touch on. Speaking of Will Curling, do you reckon uh, AW can fill Craven Cottage? I. It would be man that like it would rain that day. Guaranteed, <laughs> something like that would happen. I think it's they not could, set up that kind of event. I think they could fill it to the point where it would be. It wouldn't look embarrassing. I, I if you look at New Japan doing ten thousand on the copper box. If you said to me for a big first AW pay per view, they do fifteen thousand. I wouldn't argue mm. too strongly. Uh, you know, and that, what's the capacity? Twenty six, something like that. It is, yeah, yeah. It's something. Well, no, no. It's less than that. It's around twenty. It's a it's very small ground. It's limited because you can't build on it because it's lit, it sits on the river. Yeah, you had the big stage so, and stuff as well, you know. Although there's the pitch, I suppose that would uh, add a few seats too. I I'd build that Craven Cottage show. I I think what you do is if they get promoted this year, get into the Premier League, opening day of the season, you just hear Adam Page's music go off. 
comes out with a beer and the football to put into the centre circle. Well, I suppose they've had weirder things there. Michael Jackson. Was yeah. Mohammed El Fayed. I've got a, yeah, my kids yeah. have got a photo beside that Michael Jackson statue. Oh, they, was Yuri Geller there as well, I think, at one point when he was best <laughs> Jacko. Possibly. I think he was big Exeter man, wasn't he? He, was, he, to he brought Jacko to um, Exeter as well. Fucking point, con man, Yuri Geller. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 He was on um, Newsnight before the election day talking to his con. <sighs> Tory, of course he is. How yeah, is he yeah. still around? He wasn't really. Um, he was on a live satellite link from Israel, I think. Bended some spoons. Uh, yeah, but I, what was I going to say? There was someone else I was going to say. I, I, on the Clayton Cottage thing, Will Coolin is on an absolute roll. He's on the form of his mm. life. I'm back in Coolin. They can sell it out. Why the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, this stage, who are we to doubt him? Tones tools a promotion. He's got them billions. Shad will go full full pelt on it and think, yeah, you know, first stop Craven yeah. Cottage, next stop Wembley. I'll be, I'll be interested if Scott Parker drops it into some post-match interviews as well. Celebrating yeah. with the lads tonight? Well, obviously, we've got AEW on Dynamite that's on uh, ITV. <laughs> I don't know, he's not from the north, <laughs> is he? So I don't know why I did that accent. He's a Londoner, Londoner he? <laughs> Which is of all the accents you'd imagine the one I'd be able to do. <laughs> well, earlier on, you described yourself as a posh geezer. I don't hear this. Do you know what? I was listening to Graps and Claps, and it got and it got brought Mate, up on the... Posh. Oh, your posh. voice came up, didn't it? Oh, it did. It got brought up a few times from there, from uh, an Alan as well, who bring it up on there, but... Brought Police Academy as well, which is something that I do want to bring up in later weeks. Try watching that again. That is that does not pass the smell test with the 21st century. But I don't know where I was going with this. Yeah, but they were doing this kind of yeah geezerish accent of me. I'll shut up now. Well, yeah, that's how you talk. I don't see. I don't hear. I don't hear that internally. You are the only one who doesn't hear it. Ah, exactly. <laughs> It is. And Ben will do it now. Go, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> that thing again. Impersonated yourself. Yeah, exactly. oh, I'm JP. That one. It's, what's happened there? I sound like I've had a stroke when you do that, that impression of me. When you do me, JP, what's me? That's like, I, I, I'm very, I'm going to build up to some an impression of you. Okay. Well, bust it out when we least expect it. Exactly. Yeah. Look, who sounds, Patreon. who sounds most like they've come off the set of a low budget craze film? It would be me. Exactly. Yeah. All there right. we go. Fair yeah. enough. On the, um, because we're, we're running short on time, but just on the AW point, obviously not a not a particularly noteworthy TV show this last week, so not nah. much to break down, but any notes on that? The build to the the Blood and Guts match, they've uh, announced outright it's going to be uh, the Elite against the Inner Circle. Um, interesting one, it, that they're kind of announcing it before they do the build. They've kind of done it backwards. It's not mm-hmm. like... Yeah, not a fan of that. There's some really mm. big grudges there. Like, it's it's a way of doing it. It's probably the worst way of doing it, but two WWE in terms of the yeah, announcement of the yeah. whole thing. Well, what's the you... Cody's been on Twitter kind of saying, "Well, there's a grudge. We've had problems the entire way of the TV," and it's like, "Well, have you really?" Is well, it very distracted by everything else. They did a bit of an angle this week, didn't they? But it wasn't like a heated, hate-filled mm. angle. Yeah, I Kenny mean, wasn't have, there. They should have done a couple of big angles. They should have done one last week, one more this week, then announced it. I was going to say also as well, you want to build up to people earning the right to be in there as well. So you've got some interesting story. Like you would be playing up with, with whether or not they'd want Adam Page to be in there or not. That, that should definitely be the direction of some of the storylines. But that would seem to be part of the natural drama. I tell you what, I've got a, I've got a thought for you. You know how they could sell out Craven Cottage? The next Blood and Guts match. Two rings. 
less space you've got to fill yeah, in yeah. the stadium. Okay. Therefore, easier chance of a sellout. Okay. Bring the war games over here. I'd be up for that. War games at Craven Cottage. Oh, I think oh, you're going to yeah. give us some teams then. I'm going to cut like Muhammad Al Fayed on one side and. Uh... Hugh Grant, he's a Fulham fan. <laughs> I like Hugh Grant. He's a good bloke. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he is. where where are we going? <laughs> I was going to mention one last thing before I know that's slightly more serious. Now, and it was something that um, came out as a resource this week, and I mean, it was meaning. Oh, is that AEW over? Is it? Is that AEW over? Is there anything to mention? Well, I've got I've got no thoughts on AEW. Joe, you got any thoughts on AEW? It was a show. <laughs> it yeah, really was. It was a it? show. It I was so really... excited. I stayed up live to mm. watch it, thinking, "Oh, you know, there's going to be a Matt Hardy debut. There's going to no, there's going to be, you know, they, they might do the." Oh, saying that, you know, what we should mention there was a great thing on there. Jake Roberts, like that promo, that was great. That that was good. The haircut is. <laughs> he's got an issue with that and he's got, oh. he was shaved on one side and not the other that's why he, like, I, think, I think he spent a lot of money on those hair plugs JP don't be mean his, uh, oh, <laughs> he hasn't lost he, it on the mic though is, is fucking that, that, that end in line where never turn your back on a man what is it never turn your back on a man you respect or are afraid of and then he throws yeah. the mic up in the air and Cody catches it perfect perfect moment to walk off and I wonder about him dwarfing whoever he's managing you know whether it be Luke Harper or it be Lance Hoyt uh, you do think maybe with Jake the Snake being more of a really strong personality maybe there might be a problem there but I'm excited to see it. a real left field one and another obvious Cody idea yeah I think if you're getting him to do that and he's been in a good place for quite some time now so I think and he's you know, it's a, it seems to be a very positive environment there. So it, it seems like it's a good place for him to be working. And someone like Brody Lee, you know, not Luke Harper, not necessarily known for promos if they go that way. Even Lance Archer has that kind of one form of delivery of his promos, which works for him and it's fine. Mm. But having Jake Roberts do that, especially if you're wanting to put them in that kind of main event kind of level as well and build those matches up. He's going to be. He's certainly worth a punt for it, and oh, he's got sure. that name recognition value as well. So yeah, I remember seeing it was he was there. I was like, okay, I'll see what this is like. But it was very. It, it was. It was a. It was a good promo, and he's great, and he's his cadence. The way he walked into the ring and he started doing the stuff like smelling the ropes hmm. and the turnbuckle and the rest of it. Just missed his WWE music. Big oh, yeah, they tried oh, to do that's... a rip off, didn't they? And it wasn't great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, also on AW, how great was Darby Allen on that main event? Oh, that was awesome, yeah. yeah when he yeah. hot-tagged himself, fuck me. Yeah. That, that was very good, yeah. It was like, it was a fantastic kind of sell job he did did for that. They've, yeah, that they've got him right, haven't they? They know what they've got. They watched that Dark Side of the Ring episode with him. Not Dark Side of the Ring, yeah. what was the other one? The Wrestlers. They the watched wrestlers. that Wrestlers episode with him, and they've tapped right into what... They, everything Gabe did wrong with Darby Allen, they're doing right. Like, they are... He is he is one of those undercard guys who they've recognised as going to be a star, and they put him in the position to succeed. Like, you know he sells well, so put him in there in a handicap main event on his own. Let him get his big spots in. He can lose yeah. at the end of it and lose absolutely nothing. But yeah, he's coming across as a real star and dynamite these last few weeks yeah they re- they recognize he's unique and they're not trying to change him they're trying to let him be him that's the that's the real key if you're thinking of the two promotions comparing those two is that they're not trying to kind of change him into something he isn't or make him pretend to be something he isn't it's just an exaggerated version of who he is and you know and it works and i think they get the idea with him that ultimately it's it's a it's a it's a slower build as it should be he should you know Put him in, though, in the main events of Dynamite, especially in these kind of tag matches. This is what you do. This is the kind of stuff you do. And I can see, you know, I mentioned it last week with Orange Cassidy. 
Darby Allen seems like that kind of person who'd be able to connect with a younger audience and a younger generation. You start to see, I know it's, it's crowd shots for it and so somewhat like anecdotal evidence, but you see people going in there dressed up as those two wrestlers in particular, you know, either the face painted in half or they're dressed up like Orange Cassidy. What was the other thing you wanted to mention before we go, JP? I else? wanted to mention it, um, and it's something that it deserves a lot more time, but I'm not I'm not necessarily going to go... Uh, into it but it's, it's actually like an incredibly important resource that riptide wrestling produced this week um so obviously james you had done the interview with josh bevan on on bwe i've interviewed josh a couple of times me and joe have met him you know lovely guys down there doing a brilliant job in riptide well josh's dad um david he's actually like the kind of chief medic he, he i think he's a, he was a retired gp um from here so that was it yeah he's a semi-retired gp and basically, he's written a whole pack, like resource pack, in terms of enhanced medical care and do's and don'ts and things to think about for smaller promotions. And it's something I'd like to put up as a as a link on the show notes for it, for anyone to have a look in there, because it is really interesting to look upon there. And it's the idea, and it's these are the things we spoke about at the start of the show with David Starr, but these things that add these kind of professionalism to this smaller scene. And it's actually like a good community resource that can be used by anyone. If you're setting up a show and you're thinking about how you deal with health and safety as an issue, as they all should be doing, then this is something to look at. And it goes from like sort of across the board about concussion awareness, the idea of telling wrestlers not to work hurt risk assessment guides, doing that type of stuff as well. Concussion guidance. There's, you know, loads of little tools for this as well. And about like, you know, tool resources that you can use and you know as a teacher use lots of various online resources to teach lessons with this is the kind of stuff that really comes in practically helpful and handy so yeah i'd advise um anyone on here who, who's involved within the industry wrestlers themselves and you want to see like promotions using this stuff yeah definitely use this resource good plug yeah, yeah. there you go i was gonna ask you for plugs so you got one pl- yeah yeah genuinely helpful thing though something that absolutely it's the kind of stuff that should be there and let's face it i don't know if wwe have produced anything like this that's that's true i'm sure vince would have him fucking snorting steroids if he had his bloody way still (laughs) wouldn't he he likes a different sort of beefy fucker to you doesn't he Mm -hmm. ah jp likes the natural beefy fuckers i find bodybuilding's weird he doesn't like it's weird it doesn't like the, the trim of fat around the edge does he yeah, but he fucking cracked in the head. Absolutely cracked in the head with him. If anything, he should be on the concussion guidelines as well. Christ knows what. He will be after that dream I had last he night. He will he, be, he, won't he? He didn't have a good time in that, I tell you. Did you imagine Vince woke up having a nightmare about your brother approaching him in his desk in Stanford at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> I want to do Inception, but in Joe's dreams, in Joe's head. Oh, it sounds like a cracking insect. Can I come along next time? I'd rather get into your head. It's all right. Yeah. You've seen his Google Drive, Joey. That's basically the inside of his head. It is. I've seen it? deeper than that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Right, well, I'm going to be dreaming about that. I'm probably going to be dreaming about Will Cooling, the amount of times he came up on the show. Is that the title of the show, Will Cooling? Billy Braces? The Rum in Your Will, Coke? National Express? Will Cooling. Will Cooling. Will Cooling. Will Cooling. Superstar Will Cooling. And if anyone's willing to count the amount of times we've said Will Cooling on this show... Please feel free to tell us how many times we said Will Cooling on this show. Will Cooling, Will Cooling. Yeah. Will Cooling. <laughs> awesome. Any other plugs, JP? 
Uh, Will Cooley. Um, yeah, yeah, read his article, Peter, Peter Research. Research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just follow me on Twitter at jpgp 3 es Excellent. Follow me on Twitter at BensonRichardE. Uh, I put some ratings over the weekend at WXW up on Grapple App. Gareth was uh, really quick at uh, putting those up. Uh, no help from me. I think the first couple of days I was sending results and then he just relied on Ian Hamilton because, to be honest, he got them up before I could even type them and uh, I'd send them over yeah. to Gareth. But, yeah, my rate, my live ratings, at least from over the weekend, are up there. Uh, always uh, take into account that live bias. But if you were there, you can put your ratings in. But, yeah, if you watch the Elimination Chamber... Uh, we don't have classic old Japan on there yet. Sorry, Joe, but we'll get Gareth to work. He needs to work. Uh, there's some on there. Oh, is there? Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, little that. bits and pieces. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Did you put any in? No, no QPW. Oh yeah, yeah. I did a couple that, that I could find on there, but there's not oh. loads in there. I wouldn't expect there to be no. loads on there, but no, there's a good bit on there. Gareth been slacking. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he, that Gareth man was in t- fucking amazing. Job. He was in yeah, Toronto. You know, he's been slacking. <laughs> but, uh, he was in I've Toronto. Got serious respect for the bloke. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not on the grapple gravy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Talking a, about him like he's giant barber, aren't hey, you? Mate, he was having <laughs> business meetings with John Pollock and waiting. Well, not business, but he was just meeting up with John Pollock and waiting. But it, and he was on his holidays, and in the meantime, he was still putting those WXW shows up. What a man. He is, isn't he? He's the absolute workhorse, rather like Misawa and Kabashi, really, isn't he? And yourself. And Miss. No, not myself. And you know who else? Will Cooling. Exactly. <laughs> Right. Well, that's us. Anyway, that's it for another week. Are we back Monday next week, lads? You have, a, have you mentioned where you're going to be on Thursday? Cafe Hangout. Oh, shit. That's what I'm doing on Thursday. I'm not going yeah. to be. Yes. Listen to me if you want to hear about WXW talk. I am doing the Cafe Hangout with uh, with John away on Thursday, talking that and going in depth on that David Starr story. And as I mentioned, if you want to even more on WXW, we'll be doing a, a full uh, 16 carat special over on post as well. Nice one, JP. Glad we, uh, glad we got that in there. It's all right. Good, Good for something, aren't I? <laughs> but anyway, we'll be back next Monday. Is that right? Monday, probably? Yeah. Probably. It'll be in I your feeds. These, I can't on these Tuesdays, so let's yeah. have a chat. Yeah, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a chat. Yeah, keep keep an eye on the Twitter. We'll uh, we'll keep you updated on all that. But yeah, we'll be back next week to chat. Everything else going on in the world of wrestling. I'm going to go to bed and eat some sleep. Bye. Yeah. That was the worst bomb. <laughs> it was meant to sound weak deliberately and tired a tired boy Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.